0: Check to Talk Radio Alright fans, here we go With the main event of the evening Ladies and gentlemen And attendance, Mucks and Joining us
1: around the world It's time for the value Ball. we are waiting for Finally It's showtime hey, man, We dedicate our life what we, we we do thousands of sit-ups camp, we run hundreds of miles, you know, for the ones that take it serious, and we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft,
2: man, we watch tapes. We, 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 you know, we attitude, we and we want that bike and to
1: land on the, to land on the line.
2: Chris Carlson we are live on a Wednesday night hope everybody's doing okay I know I am obviously we have a whole lot to talk about fight of the year candidate hands down I don't want to hear it being classified as as just a woman's fight I mean for a woman's fight it was pretty good I mean let's be fair what happened in that ring uh, on Saturday night First time, Madison Square Garden, two women in the main event, which is obviously, you know, a huge thing, just, just that alone, and um, and it sold well. I mean, who really cares about the gate in this scenario? I mean, ultimately, who really cares, I guess, right? That's a fan, but um, wow. <laughs> that was great, man, and you could tell in the audience that they were glued into it obviously the Irish and Puerto Rican in New York city. It's a match made in heaven. You know, you can build a fight. It's the, it's the biggest fight in women's history of all time. And it sounds great, right? And on paper, you know, you could make that argument. No doubt about it, but for it to actually pay off in the ring is a separate thing. Many, many times, uh, you know, major fights, take place, and although they're fought at a high skill level and whatever, it's just one-sided. You know, many a times just someone shows their superior superiority skill or, or power or whatever that may be. But it's always great when a fight actually lives up to it, and Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano definitely did, and I, I want to see the rematch. I'll say that right off the bat. I mean, scorecard-wise, you know, two what was that? Two seven to threes? Is that right? Seven to three scorecards, both of them, I think. We'll get into that. I'm not not a big fan of those scorecards. Um, do I think it was a robbery or something? No, no. I would have been just fine with a draw, actually. Uh, but I want to see a rematch. That that was just too good of a fight for it not to be. It had drama. You know, Katie Taylor started well. I didn't give her the first four rounds like a lot of people did, but she started very well Serrano mid-round started taking over the fight obviously hurt her pretty damn bad I mean was she out on her feet obviously not but she was hurt Katie Taylor really bad and it wasn't just that round I think it did carry over to the next round a little bit you could see in the corners although she was focused in on what you know her trainer was saying she still looked out of it and for for her to dig out of that, and then ultimately win the fight or whatever, just you know survive that, uh, even if she would have just been uh, one-sided after that, and Serrano wins clearly, it still would have been something because I did think decent chance here that she's she's going to get knocked out. And credit to her in so many ways. I mean, there were times when Serrano, you know, maybe she she let too much loose in that round. If you look at the punch stats, that I mean, it was like 41 shots and 114 punches off head. I think that's what I remember reading. That's in two minutes. So obviously she over-punched there, but it's hard for her not to do that when she really was already picking up steam, had her hurt pretty bad, legs looked horrible. I, I can't blame her on that one, but um, what a What a great fight. And obviously, Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez uh, for lineal at 130. Um, Not a great two-way fight, but Shakur Stevenson with an excellent performance on a variety of levels that we'll talk about. And where does he go next? You know, Bob Arum's already shot down, you know, undisputed at 130 because he says, you know, those fights won't sell. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how long he stays at 130. You know, he might just have one in-house fight uh, and then move on. You know, Lomachenko could be involved there because obviously, you know, we don't know exactly what's up with Lomachenko at this second and how long he'd be ready for a fight. But I'm assuming he could still fight this year. But who knows? We'll, We'll see. And obviously... That's when you know you're, you're you know, you're in a, a great run here of boxing that should last all the way through June and hopefully July and August and September, et cetera, you know, fill back up. But we still have Canelo Alvarez, take Elveridge. did I just say that? Canelo Alvarez uh, and Dimitri Bivel fight um, this weekend here. Cinco de Mayo. Sorry for the long pause. I just, uh, you know how you drink water and <laughs> it just goes down the wrong pipe? Yeah, that's just what happened. Wow. <clears throat> that wasn't Anyway, um, where was I? Elvarez. It sounds weird to say that. Canelo, okay? that's He's a one-word guy. Prince Mike Canelo. Anyway, Bivol... You know, he does have the fundamentals. He does have the skill set. He does have some footwork. He's got the tools to at least make this a very competitive fight. You know, what will happen if Canelo goes to the body and lands something big? We've got a peek into that. Um, Obviously, Bivol fights at his, his, uh, well, not just his range, but, you know, he doesn't Put a lot of output out. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm assuming he throws more punches on average than Canelo, but it's not like Bivol throws a bunch of punches either, right? He is good at catch and shoot, which I think you'll have to be elite at in this fight. Um, not just the body, but the overhand rights. I could see that being an issue. We've seen that in his fights. But Bivol, you know, is a damn good fighter. Obviously, since, whatever, 2019, you know, he hasn't been active, that's for sure, and his his level of opponent's gone way down, and so that's not necessarily uh, a positive thing uh, to go into a Canelo fight, but we'll see. You know, obviously, the first half of the fight, Bibble has to have a fair amount of success, and, you know, Billy Joe Saunders... And Kayla Plant did have a fair amount of success in those first five six rounds, or whatever, but we'll see we'll see how this goes. I'm excited for it though I think it is a good fight. very interested to see you know how that goes and then of course, some current fight news that we'll get to um there's rumors of of Josh Taylor possibly staying at one forty hmm. Is that just based off the rumors? We've heard a little bit of rumors, but is that just Piafima Lopez saying he's trying to make the fight at 140? If so, what about Catterall? Is he just, I mean, you said you'd give him the rematch, but it has to be at 47. That'd be kind of funky if uh, all of a sudden that changed, right? Um, There are some other items that we'll get to, some current fight news. just a variety of stuff. And of course a a boxing Twitter segment to close, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this Canelo and Bibble fight. I think it's a good fight. I think it's an interesting fight. Uh, of course, Bibble does have that upright stereotypical, what people call the Euro stance, right? The European stance. Um, sometimes that can be a little stiff. I think he has a little bit wider stance, maybe just because he's a little taller, but, um, Like I said, his fundamentals and the way he uses his jabs, he faints a whole lot, but there are some items on here, you know, that they both like to fight at range, and, you know, if the pace is at range and slower, normally that's a Bivol win, but that's Canelo's thing, you know, that's his pace of fighting, and... He doesn't really combo punch at all anymore unless he's got a guy hurt. Usually it's one or two big punches at a time. You know, he doesn't go out of his way to establish a jab like he used to. Really, since that second Triple G fight, he's been more of a, um, you know, like a, not a combo punch chuncher, but like a a guy that's going to come to him. You know what I mean? Um, More than just trying to set up every single punch uh, it's more like he it's like he just wants to you know, land big shots um, a lot of people look to that Kovalev fight which that was his only 175 fight right Kovalev's jab um, and just overall you know he was doing good in the fight I think people kind of forget that he was doing very good in the fight but um, obviously that wasn't you know, a 100%, you know, I mean, if we're being honest, that wasn't a 100% Kovalev. He was clearly faded. He was coming off a fight in which he didn't look all that good. I know he's, you know, won by knockout or whatever, but he didn't look all that good in the fight a handful of months prior to that. So, but either way, a much fresher Bibble, you know, can do some of the things anyway. Anyway. Um, that Kobolev left Kevin, he just hasn't proved it at this higher level, obviously. Um, you know, that's not to say that Bivel doesn't have good wins, because he does. Um, but, even like a fight in Jean Pascal when they fought, you know what I mean? Joe Smith Jr., um, that's a good win. You know, some people probably overrate him. Um, I think he's a solid fighter. Um, He definitely wants to make a fight, you know. I think him and Better Bia will be a brawl. That'll be a, you know, nonstop uh, blow for blow type uh, brawl. But, you know, Sullivan Barrera, you could see maybe shades of how Canelo used to fight a little bit more. I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough because, you know, Bivel isn't coming off a a quality win. I don't know, man. It's, it's a little bit interesting, but um, either way, let's get into some of this stuff. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope radio. You don't have to go to blogtalk and Rope and Dope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, Radio Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Um, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to com And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got some things for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks without those pesky, um, additional fees. If you go to the Premier package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime. Boxing fans already included. I think eleven dollars is where Showtime is on this platform, which is a pretty decent deal. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay, so, um, man, oh man, um, <laughs> you know, this was just something else, man. This this was a great fight. I mean, there's just no way generally speaking if we're being honest um you know a, a lot of times we would go with the Shakur Stevenson Oscar Valdez to lead out a lot of times we start with the best fights and whatnot um, both of them meaningful fights obviously um the Taylor Serrano had a little extra oomph on it right not just undisputed but just overall and uh, like I said it lived up to the hype um uh,
1: you know, we'll go
2: over the scorecards, but let's just kind of break it down round by round um Taylor was countering with both hands very well along with their jab um you did see Serrano in the last minute land to the head and body, but I, I think that was you know Taylor round first round second round was very competitive um there was. Beyond the jabs from Serrano, a late left hand that really did something there, but maybe the counters were enough, the clean countering from, from Taylor to give it a second round. It was a competitive round. Same with the third. I mean, the third was very competitive. Um, several really nice right hands um, late in that round from Taylor. Nice little combo as well. Did that, that steal the round for her? Otherwise, you know, early and often, um, hard left hands, And she started really cutting off the ring. Um, and now that I see my notes here looking at it, um, she did close Serrano with, you know, two or three nice shots of her own too. So maybe that wasn't a stolen round. You know, I did give it to a Serrano. Fourth round Serrano for me there. Um, you know, her jab in right hands were starting to take their toll a little bit. You could see Taylor uh, was cut. She was swelling already. She was getting a tad bit arm punched. Um, and it just didn't seem like her shots were landing as well as they had been early in the fight. Not to say, oh, she was gassed. I'm just saying uh, that's what I saw in that one. Um, you know, the, the fifth round, there was some really fun back and forth exchanges early inside. That's another thing. When I talked about last week and anytime I've talked about these two fighters, you know, the women's sport has some catching up to do on the technique level and all that stuff. We all know that it's no hack to women's boxing. Uh, We've talked about the depth as well. Um, But with these two, that's not the case at all. They're all caught up. Right. And, An example of that was the inside fighting, the hitting with one hand free fighting, getting not just holding on to each other and hitting, you know, someone in the ear or something like that, which you see in men's boxing too. I'm not saying that, but it was the skill level on the inside. That was kind of interesting too, that you don't normally see all that much. Um, But I mean, you know, Taylor, it's, you know, th- this was a rough round for her, obviously. Um, Serrano just landing heavy, heavy shots. Uh, Taylor getting, you know, her legs looked pretty bad. Um, nose, you know, bleeding. Just, she was still countering off the ropes at times, but, man, she looked really hurt. Uppercuts, hooks. um Landing into the body hooks to the head and body with Serrano, um, so you know that was uh, that was something else. I mean, to me, it did kind of feel like, okay, this is kind of the it, it, a little bit it kind of felt like the beginning of the end, you know what I mean? Um, and could you score that you know a 10 eight round? I think you could just because of how hurt she was. Um, and looking at it, just so I go back to those Compute Box, yeah. You know, the whole thing is, can you lose a round when he didn't – well, of course it would be a 10-8 round if you got knocked down. But Taylor did land 14 punches. And like I said, early in that round, it was back and forth a little bit. Um, but 44 punches out of 114 thrown in two – minutes, that's crazy, so you think of, that's a dominant round, but to do that in two rounds, or in a round, in two minutes, I mean, I could see the 10-8 there, um, and just how rough shape that Taylor, you know, there was a couple times where she almost, you know, bowed over, she almost dropped, but she showed so much damn heart, and even in the six, I gave that to Serrano, too, I mean, throwing combinations, showing heart, somehow, some way but um the heavier shots to the head and body were serrano in that round in my opinion the short uppercuts the hooks um now the seventh round that's where the fight all of a sudden became really competitive again um you know taylor could she have won that round yeah um you could say maybe serrano who actually started using a little bit more head movement by that. Did she land the best shots? You know, that one's close. That one's a little bit closer, um, and it was competitive. Of course, the busier—I mean, throughout the whole fight, obviously she was she was busier, Serrano. You know, overall. Um, but that then all of a sudden you're like, okay, that that's that's a close round. Eighth round, definitely Taylor. Um, that left hook off the pivot. And just more movement in general and these quick combinations. She started winning that one. The tenth, or the ninth round, excuse me, was, was a close round, too. I gave it to Taylor. I thought she was busier um, and closed better in that round. Um, and I think that's – there wasn't many – was that like one of the – I think there was only a round or two where she actually landed more than Serrano. Maybe I'm wrong on that, um, but I'm pretty sure. Actually, I should check that. Oh no, the fourth round too. Yeah, no, that's that's right. Um, no, that's that's fair. Actually, I'm looking at it right now, the copy box. But so you know, the ninth round definitely ten. The tenth round, a lot of people just gave to Taylor, and, and I get that. Um, you know, she definitely rallied really well too. That like right around the minute mark. I think that I think she got cut, uh, Serrano. Actually, in that in that round too. Um, um, just great exchanges to close. Um, the last part did seem like it was like Taylor, 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 but then Serrano would land a couple of good shots too. So both of them landed late. Um, I, I don't know. That was that a ten ten round? You know, but that's a close round. So there was a lot of close rounds in this. I'm definitely not saying, uh, it was a robbery or Serrano should have won easy seven, eight rounds. You know, no, I don't think that, I don't think that, but the scorecards did read 97,
1: 93,
2: 96, 94, and 96, 93. Um, one of them, obviously, uh, for Serrano, one of them is 96, 94. So six to four there, um, and so Taylor, 96-93, actually, I'm going to look at the judges here. I'm going to look at these scorecards real quick and kind of break that down as well. Um, you know, like I said, I'd have been just fine with a draw. That's basically what I had at 5-5. Five, 6-4 five. or 5-4-1 for Serrano or Katie Taylor, okay. You know, in a draw fight, sometimes you think, okay, if it's tied, gun to my head who I think won. Well, if I had it tied. You know, who had the best round out of every round? You know, well, clearly Serrano, you know. So if I had that a 10-8 round, I'd have, you know, Serrano win it. But I could see the 7, 6-4, 5-4-1 uh, for Taylor. But, you know, 7-3, to three, I, I can't do. It. You know what I mean? I, I'm not, I couldn't do that one, to be honest. Um, let's see. Um, so the 96 night, that was the 10, eight round. So Katie Taylor won one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven to three. Yeah. I was right on both of them. Yep. So both scorecards, even though one of the judges did have that 10, eight round, had it seven to three for both. And the other one was six to four. And I just don't see seven rounds to Katie Taylor. I just don't. Does that mean it's a horrible robbery? No. No, because she could have won the fight. But I definitely did not see that. I definitely. And I, I actually didn't. Let's see. I'm looking at this here. I. So the other. The two judges had it three to one after four on both of them. I would have been okay with two two there. I did see some Katie's up four. Oh, I, I didn't see that at all. Three to one. Maybe you know. Um, let's see. The other judge had it three to one for. Uh, or wait, was that Kate? No, for for Serrano. So the, the winning scorecard they had her up three to one. I'd have been okay with two two, but yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's it was a really close fight. Um, you know, I don't want to make it a story about the cards. Like I said, I, I disagree pretty strongly with seven to threes. Uh, within the round You know round by round um, But It was a hell of a fight I'm just hoping for a rematch to
1: be honest with you.
2: I really am And When you Like the crowd was going both ways Taylor probably had a little bit more But not much You know Not much as far as noise anyway I don't know how it broke up or anything like that But um, It was just a hell of a fight You know it really was, and sometimes you could say, well, that person won, I just don't agree with the scorecards. At least we didn't have like a 9-1, to 8-2 to two scorecard, but like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of 7-3. to three. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to harp on it or anything like that, but I didn't agree with that part, you know what I mean? But I want to see a rematch. I mean, there's really, for me, there's really no point in not seeing that rematch, you know? I mean... Do they both take a fight and then fight? I don't know, you know, but I I definitely want to see a rematch. This fight needs it. And, you know, with Serrano, I'm not going to say she 100% punched herself out because I had her winning, you know, some rounds after that, or at least a round or two, but, I think that did play into it, because, like I said, one hundred and fourteen punches in a in a normal three minute fight, we talk about that right like oh, 100 punches a hundred punches around, right? But to do that in two minutes dude that that's that's crazy so and obviously, Amanda didn't look like the bigger fighter, nor should she, but she did step on the scale what was it was she like one thirty three or one thirty two or something like that, like the next day um was the next morning, was it? I don't know. I'm not really sure when she stepped on the seal. Could have been later that night. I kind of forgot. But, you know, clearly there was a... There was a, a difference there. But it's not like Taylor's like a big puncher, you know, for her weight class either. So, phenomenal fight. Um, You know, big shots out to both. Um, I did get some... A little bit of heat from talking about the depth of women's boxing. But... You know, I mean, sometimes the facts hurt. I mean, the the depth in, uh, in fact, someone tweeted that about that today for men's boxing. Men's boxing doesn't have the depth it used to either. And just when we talk about the sheer numbers, it has way less. In fact, it was, uh, was it Scully? Who the hell, yeah, I think it was Scully that was tweeting about that today when I got on. You know, it, it doesn't have the numbers or the depth in general numbers or just depth of fighters uh, that it used to. That's just for sure, you know, w- like 100% for sure. It's it's not as deep as it used to both deep at the weight classes like it used to be. Sure. There's some more depth at individual weight classes, but overall there's not. And the amount of, you know, men's boxers is down too, way down from, you know, decades, decades ago. So I'm not, and that's a fact too, you know, a lot of people are kind of fanboy on a fighter or two or five fighters that they love, and then they try to put them in the same breath as Hagler and stuff like that in other fighters from past, and it's like, nah, it's just, it's not, it isn't the same, you know, it just isn't. But I don't try to act like it is, love a fighter, and be like, no, you know. So-and-so wouldn't do this or so-and-so, you know, whatever. But either way, it was, like I said, phenomenal fight. I want to see the rematch later this year. You know, give these ladies a rest, you know, for sure. Both of them did get cut technically. So, yeah, let them shut down the body for a little bit. Um, But let's see another one, man. And and if they both take interim bouts okay, then the rematch has to be next. Didn't Serrano say that she'd go to Ireland? Like I said, I didn't think she I know it was in the US, but Katie Taylor doesn't fight, you know, to be fair, Taylor doesn't fight in Ireland anyway. She hasn't. So, I'm not saying she can't bring a fight back there. Maybe that's what it will be. Maybe it'll be this fight. I don't know, but I want to see within at least one fight, you know, so two fights, I guess, uh, let's say it that way. Uh, within the next year, let's put it that way. I want to see this re- Damn good of a fight, and I do disagree with seven rounds. I just, I just do. I mean, at least six three one or something, but straight up, or six two one. No, 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 six. Yeah, six three one instead of seven three or something. But I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't get that seven rounds thing to Taylor. But I did It's not like I'm saying, oh, she didn't win. That's bullshit, you know. Um, but yeah, I had it a draw. If I had to lean one way, since I had it a draw, you know, I would I would pick Amanda Serrano, but um, or five four one or whatever. Anyway, on that card, the fight I'm going to talk about was uh, beefy, uh, Liam Smith against Jesse Vargas, and uh, Jesse definitely. I mean, both of them are past their prime, clearly, but you know, beyond the first couple rounds, there was some really good back and forth in this fight early. Um, you know, Vargas was definitely, uh, you know, landing his, uh, some really nice right hands and all that and, 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 doing his thing for a little bit. Uh, and through the first four rounds, it was a fun fight. Very fun to watch. Um, but the straight or overhand rights, along with the left hooks to the head or body, really took their toll, um, on Leon, or I mean, on Jesse Vargas. You could see by the fifth round, he was starting to fade both in the, the ring, you know, while the rounds going on and then when he's sitting, you know, on the on the stoop is like, ugh. Then uh I think yeah, right around fifth or sixth round you saw Beefy uh, add the uppercut and that started doing damage, uppercut, left hook. I mean, by the the seventh and eighth round, I mean, it was just flurry after flurry after flurry, just destroying him. Um, and I even took put a note here, you know, in the eighth round, Vargas in this corner, you know, it was pretty bad. Um, there was moments where they'd, like, land. They, there was a couple times where they exchanged right hands, um, you know, in the second half of the fight. But it was a TKO pretty early on in the 10th uh, round. So a nice win by Liam Smith. Yeah, Jesse Vargas, as far as on any kind of top level. Now, this was at 54, so, if he went back to 47, the problem is, look at 47. Like, who, who, who you got in the top five or eight uh, against, you know, Jesse Vargas against someone in the top eight? You know, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I do know. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't know about him as far as, like, how further he – I don't know. You know, is Jesse Vargas 100% committed at this point? I mean, he was committed to a campaign. Um You know, some of the stuff he was saying. But that's politics. Um, I don't know. I, that, that's another thing you got to look at too. How, how dedicated is he at, at this point? It's cool to have a, a life after boxing, and hopefully it goes good for him, right? But I mean, not his campaign, but overall, you know, that's dope. But um, I don't know, man. I just fifty-four is not great for him. That's for sure. Um but yeah I don't know man i just I just don't see it, you know, I really, really don't see it, I just don't see um how much longer he could go like that, you know what I mean i just i don't know i don't I don't see it, you know, um, but we'll see, you never know maybe he gets rejuvenated, <laughs> I don't know how he's gonna after that one um. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's about it there on that card anyway. Um, as far as Stevenson Valdez breaking that fight down, obviously there's not a lot to take from it from a from a two-way standpoint, you know. Um, it was pretty limited that way. I mean, how many rounds, you know, could you really give to him? Vargas, uh, obviously, or Belbis, I mean. Um, not many, you know, clearly. Um, pretty easy to see that. Um, but I think, let me look, actually, let me look at my scorecard. Did I give him, actually, you know what, the third round I gave to him? Yeah, because he did land some good body shots uh, in the right hand. He did actually do pretty good in that round. He did. He actually did. But overall, um, Stevenson just looked excellent in so many ways. You know, he established his jab. Um, You know, he was throwing his left hand early with authority. Um, He was pressing more early, you know. Um, Putting in really good body work as well. Um, He just was... Doing about everything you want to see from him, especially in the first several rounds um, of the fight. Now, some people do kind of think that he didn't go for the kill when he had his guy not out on his feet or anything like that. He had him buzzed, he had him hurt, but he, you know, I, I never saw Oscar Valdez super hurt him that. But what we did see is he wasn't throwing much. He was a, you know, he's a I hate to say it, but he was a punching bag by the end of that fight, you know, as the rounds went on. And, you know, the whole game plan seemed to be, we're going to land a big shot and try to turn it, you know. Um, And they kept saying on the broadcast, you know, you're already getting hit. Why not throw more? And in just the little moments that he did throw more, that third round, he had a little success. But to be fair, he was getting hit really clean in those moments, too, you know? So, but you got to do it, you know? Um, There was that, uh, yeah, because Oscar was just missing badly when he'd punch, but he really wasn't punching much at all. Uh, There was that that 10-8 round uh, where Valdez kind of missed the punch. He was a little off-balanced, and uh, Stevenson took advantage of it. You know, he he landed uh, a... He landed two right hands, uh, like a right hook. He he landed one, um, and then he landed another right hand. But he landed one, and that's what put him into the ropes. A little off balance, but still, he landed it. Made him miss and made him pay. And And then he got off the ropes, and he was a little off balance, and that's where, you know, he was ready to jump on him. And he did. He went down to the ropes and whatnot, so... Some people thought, oh, you know, he was off balance, and that's well, he put himself off balance. And if you thought that it was weird that Shakur hit him coming off the rope because he was a little lower or whatever, I don't. I, I mean, that's just you know, you can point to Stevenson actually hitting him when he was almost on his knee and stuff like that. And and I will say this: Shakur actually, Ashy Knuckles was saying this on Twitter uh, to me. Shouts out to Ashy. He, uh, you know, he said he, he does have to pay attention with the rest saying at times, and I agree with him. You yeah. know, there were some close calls in there where you're like, "Ooh, you could have got a." Technically, you could have got maybe a point deducted there. But what I did like is pretty much the whole fight, he was ready to. He was right there, ready to punch, and his first like instincts were like, "I'm going to punch him." You know what I mean? So instead of like you know, hesitating or anything like that. I like that he was all about it. Obviously, he was getting off his stool and, you know, charging forward before the round even started. Now, I guess you could make the argument of, well, you know, if he was so ready to do that, then maybe he should have really unleashed it. But I did think he, you know, for his standard, I did think he was uh, he was going pretty damn good. Um There was another, I knew there was another round. The 10th round was probably, well, the 3rd and 8th round. Now that I think about it, the 8th round was pretty competitive. Um, It did seem like Shakur got a little loose with his defense. Um, And and Vargas did actually, I think he, it was a more even punch round too because he was actually, you know, trying to land punches. So the 10th round as well, he had his moments. He was landed to the body. Uh, he was landing overhead, right to the head as well. Um, so maybe you could give two of those three rounds or all three of them or whatever, but that's about it. Uh, and right away, Core cleaned that back up and, and started throwing combinations, kind of going in and out, turning them, but also moving forward. Um, there was, you know, a little bit of back and forth late in the 12th round that you normally see. Uh, Belvis landed a couple right hands or whatever um, but Shakur came back He possibly buzzed him down the stretch there too in that last minute um, now of course Shakur you know the last 10 seconds literally did run around the ring which I always you know people just don't like that you know that's basically if you do that people aren't going to like it now you know do you go for a knockout punch with under 10 seconds now you'd have to do that either but you're never going to get too many people to be like, yeah, man, that was a great way to end the fight. That's just how people are, you know what I mean? But either way, a dominant performance, there's just no way around it um, for Shakur in that fight. He showed a little bit of everything. Maybe you could say the killer instinct as far as, you know, you've got a guy that's not doing much, go for it. And I think he did to an extent, though. Um, I'm not sure... You know, a lot, I did see people saying that was his pretty boy Floyd, uh, moment. And I'm like, nah, nah, because Floyd is more explosive. I, I think he was faster. Um, but that doesn't matter. I, I don't want to get caught up in, well, he's not Floyd Mayweather. Who gives a shit about that? You know what I mean? But I did see a little too much. That was the pretty boy Floyd, uh, at one thirty. Uh, that wasn't a Diego Corrales, uh, victory right there as far as explosiveness, hand speed, uh, how many times, you know, neither of them got hit much in that fight, in uh, both fights, but I don't really like to do that anyway. Um, so maybe things can remind you of something or whatever, and that's cool, but I'm not a big fan of uh, trying to rage core with Floyd. I just, you know, now that was, you know, his first, like, really top-level legit um, herring was solid. But what he did at 126 didn't do anything for me. You know What he did up until this point, I thought, were like good veteran fights to take when you're young. And you can make the uh, the comparison of how many fights they had when they had a first step of fight or whatever, and that that's fair. Um, but I just like what I saw at Shakur for the most part. Excellent performance. Uh, this kid has a lot of skill. He's still developing. He's still going to get a little bit better, um, you know, around the edges and whatnot. Um, And, you know, he looks big for the weight class. You know, he didn't look small. Not that Valdez is a big, big dude or nothing, but he had been up at 130 for a while now. So um, all in all, that was great. And like I said, it does seem like uh, we've already seen Bob Arum, I think, I think he said it right after the fight, for sure. I saw it in the, uh, I think it was boxing scene, him saying, you know, forget undisputed, those fights won't sell. Um, Which, you know, it is kind of funny, like Bob can get away with saying that, but undisputed means so much in some other ways, right? But, uh, no, we're not going to get those fights because they don't sell. Okay, but watch him match him in-house with uh, Conceso, Conceso or whatever his name was, who some people thought... uh, Oscar, whatever, but um, is that going to be a big seller too? Then I mean, how many big sellers? If it's not Gervante or Lomachenko or what? You know, so he's that's not the first. You know, I don't know. I just think it's a little. I think the the attendance was what? I think it hit over ten thousand. Um, so that's a good solid crowd, obviously. Um, so he has potential there. So yeah, overall, I, I thought it was pretty damn good. Uh, you could say he didn't go for the knockout or go for the kill, and I think that's fair. There were times where he got a little lackadaisical on defense. If you're going the opposite way with it, but I don't think it could be kind of. You got to be one side or the other because you can't be like, oh, he got hit in the tenth pretty hard. Well, didn't you say you wanted him to go for the kill though, you know? So it's it's kind of it kind of works both ways. I understand what people are saying though because. In some some sense, not fully. Not like, oh, like some people are like, this fight sucks, it's boring. Why? Because you thought Valdez was going to make it a 50-50 fight or something? You know? Um, but I get him not really going all the way for it. It's funny because I thought he started pretty aggressive for him. Um, but I do understand it just because Valdez just was not, Punching all that much, you know what I mean. Um, and, and when he was, uh, most of the time, anyway, besides little moments or whatever, um, most of it was pretty one shot at a time. Just saying, the only way I can win this fight is just hurting him or knocking him down or whatever. You know what I mean. And uh, to an extent, sure, that you know that was probably, um, you know. The way you were going to do it, but like they said on the broadcast, you know, I do think, you know, up in the work rate uh, would have helped. I mean, that's the one thing I'll say. Um, well, let's see. Yeah, because when you have Shakur Stevenson throwing more punches than you, five eighty to five oh eight, and by the way, five eighty, but landing thirty two percent of them, so it was 100, 189 lands to one ten. And look at that, 61-44 to 44 on the body, too. That's very, very good. Uh, he didn't really, beyond the first couple rounds, he really didn't go for the, uh, you know, use the jab a whole lot. Either of them did. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, you know, I just, I, I, it's hard for me to pick out too many things that were bad <laughs> for Shakur Stevenson in his first really top-level step all the way up. Um, but, hey, yeah, you know, it is what it is. We'll talk a little bit more about the undercard. Of course, we're going to do like a 30-minute, uh, you know, segment on Nico. Just kidding. No, but there was another standout guy for the future we'll talk about as well on this card.
1: Let's go ahead and bring
2: in John to the fold. What's going on, John? How you doing? Hey,
3: Chris, how's it going? Good to be here as always.
2: Thanks for stopping in, man. I appreciate it, as always, as well. Um, let's start with the the better of the fights as far as two-way, anyway. And that is, uh, you know, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, you know, is billed as the biggest fight in women's history. Some people have a little debate for that. I'm not really interested in, you know, breaking that down too far, but... It was the first main event, you know, that was headlined by a woman's fight, and then for it to draw that many people to it was phenomenal, and it lived up to the billing way more than I thought it would be. I looked, I thought it would be competitive. I thought it'd be a good fight, but I didn't see it having that much drama. Now drama, maybe I'm overstating that because nobody hit the canvas or whatever, but. Katie Taylor was pretty damn hurt in that round. And even the next round after that, it was like, man, she's punching and everything. She's doing, she's doing okay. But those two, the, the fifth round, the corner, and then even that next round in the corner, I still was like, hmm, is she fully back? And, and sure enough, she was. Um, I did have an issue with seven rounds for Taylor on two of those scorecards. But we'll talk about that after you're done breaking this fight down. What did you see in the ring? Because, like I said, the build a fight that's big is awesome, but we've seen plenty of one-sided fights when it comes to fights that are anticipated. This one lived up to it.
3: Yeah, it was a great great fight, but um, I do want to add a little bit to, to the perspective because I think you made a good point. And, you know, since it, it ended up being a great fight and a great event, you don't want to take anything away. But it, it did feel to me a bit like, the, the the entire history of women's boxing had been thrown away and they were pretending like women just started uh, boxing like three years ago or something like that. And, you know, boxing's a sport steeped in history. And, you know, e- even the history of, of women's boxing, I mean, you, you know, you can, you can go back to more obscure stuff farther, but I mean, certainly uh, it was, you know, a- around and, and being talked about in the seventies. I mean, there was, you know, there was fights in the afternoon, and on CBS, not regularly or anything, but they were televised. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they were women were televised. So, you know, I, I like the the angle on it about you know which is fact uh, the first you know women's fight to headline at Madison Square Garden. I think that's a big story. I think they should have probably kept it there, and it was a great atmosphere, and event, and just you know kept it at that but you know saying automatically it was the biggest and the greatest women's fight of all time and pretending like you know women's boxing just started you know because because look even though it's you can talk about because of the famous names they had but let's face it I mean you did have Joe Frazier's daughter fighting Layla Ali years back and it was you know quite hyped at the time you know, you had fights like Christy Martin and Mia St. John on pay-per-view. Uh, and, you know, Christy Martin, as we know, in the mid-'90s, you know, appearing on Don King's pay-per-views. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They got plenty of publicity. So let's just not take away from how good the fight was in the event, but let's just add a little perspective. Now, you know, great atmosphere in the guard and then getting to the fight itself. Um, for the most part, I would actually say the fight, Uh, planned out played out the way I expected it to the only thing that I thought uh, didn't quite go like I expected it to was after Amanda Serrano about had Katie Taylor out of there uh, I think she probably punched herself out and, and it was that simple and she wasn't throwing that much in the rounds afterward and then you know Katie Taylor recovered and just kind of looked like Kay Taylor normally does and I mean that partially in a good way but partially in that it wasn't that out of the ordinary in other words you know uh, she wasn't hurting Amanda Serrano she wasn't throwing a ton of punches she wasn't pushing her around anything like that but she was just coming back just doing enough to win rounds when Amanda Serrano had punched herself out but then Some people did point it out the next day, but I don't think it's been pointed out enough, frankly. And, you know, I've I've been the first one to say when we talk about this all the time, and this fight to me is another perfect example. I mean, the boxing judging is is just subjective. It's just not objective. And people have to be realistic about that. Because to me, when you look at three judges giving Katie Taylor the 10th round and, and a couple of knowledgeable people I know, seeing on social media, giving her the tenth round. I agree with the minority that pointed that out. The next morning, I mean, I mean, how the hell do you give Katie Taylor the tenth round? At the time, I thought for sure Amanda Serrano won it. She she just about not. At least Taylor a 10-10 or before.
2: something like that, you know, like at least a ten ten then if you want to do that. But other than
3: that,
2: I but agree. I, I, but I could. I mean it
3: was dramatic the way they were both throwing, but Amanda Serrano won that round and she had Katie Taylor almost down at the end of that, I mean, you know, late in that round. I mean, almost hitting the canvas. In fact, I saw one, ironically, I, I think the guy made the, the opposite argument. I saw one one social guy tweet out on social media a few hours after the fight, the picture of the 10th round and Katie Taylor's knee almost hitting the canvas and saying, by able to by being able to stay up, she, you know, gave herself a victory. And I thought, My friend, you just pointed out the whole problem with the scoring of the fight. You're showing a picture right. of her knee almost on the canvas, how badly she got buckled. This is pro boxing. This isn't amateur boxing. I mean, you get buckled like that, that's enough to lose you the round. I mean a lot of people don't understand that in pro boxing. I mean I see and you know, it's not everything older was better or that type of thing, but but I see I do see a little bit the Europeans tend to look at it more like that newer amateur, you know, with where it's okay for people to jump in and out and you know they're not landing as hard punches and they just give them rounds and and also to me I think I see younger fans doing that more. I, this is just I'm really generalizing and I'm not saying it's everybody, but I'm just saying I see a little bit of trending like that and and I you know I get back to you know, it's. Pro, I always try to get it back to because I think it does matter. It's pro, two key factors. It's pro boxing where, you know, somebody gets rocked. I mean, you know, pro boxing as brutal as it may be, you know, the objective is to hurt the opponent. I mean, you know, try to knock out the opponent. I mean, you know, amateur they try to take that factor out of it. You can do it, but they tried to make that. You know, not not the primary objective, but you know, in, in pro boxing, that's your pro primary objective. Of course, you can win on points, but your your primary objective is to you know put hurt put hurt on your opponent, and you know if you can get a stoppage. But even if you don't put hurt on, and you know, Serrano was putting all the hurt on for the entire fight. Um, you know, she took some rounds off when she was a little bit gassed, but. I thought she made up for that in the 10th, and she put hurt on Katie Taylor again, even though Katie Taylor knew, I think, sensed, should have been correctly, that she needed that round. And, you know, she showed tremendous heart. Uh, you know, I think Katie Taylor was just pretty much what I thought she was, and I thought she'd be competitive, and, you know, she did what she does well, but I thought Serrano put more hurt on, and, you know, over the course of the fight, she should have gotten more rounds on the fight. I definitely thought she won it. I mean, there's enough people. That fought Taylor won, and of course, two to three judges that you know, I you know, you really can't say robbery, but I, but I think you do kind of need to focus on that tenth round and say, you know, how the hell did three judges give that round to Katie Taylor? I I, I think, you know, I, I've heard this from some smart people in sports decades ago, and I think it's a really good point, and especially how humans. You know, have their own subconscious biases I do think to me this is what happened on Saturday night with Taylor Serrano is there's a, there's a human bias subconscious you know in sports when it gets to making calls like that when somebody's coming back you know what I mean you start subconsciously pulling for the person that's making that comeback people like to get inspired you know that starts to overcome the fairness and I think Everybody saw that Katie Taylor was about out, you know, in the mid part of that fight, and then rallied. There's no doubt she did. Amanda Serrano did punch herself out, but Amanda Serrano then knew she needed to, step, you know, give everything she had left in that last round, and she put some hurt back on. I think she definitely won the round, but but I think you had judges who just because Katie Taylor had rallied. From from being on the brink of defeat, the brink the brink of being out, that that they were, you know, I'm not even saying it was conscious, just subconsciously drawn to giving her that round because you know there was a lot of action. But I, I I really don't I don't I just don't see any way you give Katie Taylor the tenth round of that fight. So I don't think it was a good decision. I mean, I'm in the camp that it just just wasn't a good decision. I'm going to stand by that, even though there's a lot of people saying they thought. Katie Taylor won the fight, and it was a great action fight. Um, but I thought that Amanda Serena won it. You know, I thought it was a great thing for women's boxing. You know, which I'm I'm all for. I'm all for you know fair treatment. I don't. I think this two minute round nonsense is ridiculous. The WBC's using some junk science to try to justify it. You know, you get in, in depth with any science, there, there's no way there's a scientific basis for it. You know, compared to the men, that that's got any kind of rational basis. So, so that's silly. So, a, a great showing for the women. Great to see the crowd behind it, getting that support. With all that said, uh, you know, when people are talking about this as fight of the year, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, no, nobody was down. You know, you, you had the ebb and flow of, uh, you know. Taylor was almost out, and then she survived and came back. That was dramatic, and you had a dramatic tenth round because of the effort of both of them. But, but that that didn't have like the ebb and flow, quite the ebb and flow drama of, you know, the, the Lubin Fandora fight to me, you know, with the kind of power that they were throwing. Uh, that's fight of the year, and and you know the Conlon Wood was dramatic as well. I think those were both. I mean, just, just, in, just in fairness, just really calling it like you see it. I, I thought those were both better fights than Taylor Serrano. So, you know, I thought, you know, great, great fight, really good night for women's boxing great atmosphere. I don't see it. as uh, I didn't see it as fight of the year. I thought it played out really a lot. Like I thought it would, as you know, I was saying, Chris, when we talked pre the last week, I just thought Serrano had more pop. That was obvious throughout the fight, including in the 10th round. Uh, the only part, I mean, it mostly played out like I thought. Serrano didn't get the decision. That didn't play out like I thought, and just Serrano did get a little gassed. Um I, I'd be tempted to say it's because, you know, she has fought enough lower weight classes, and that Taylor was bigger. I mean, you know, maybe taking more energy to try to get somebody bigger out of there, but, you know, and then Amanda Serrano was implying that after the fight is the reason, but you know, she was the more powerful fighter in there in terms of punching power. Uh, Taylor wasn't leaning yeah. on her. You know, Katie Taylor boxes. You know, she doesn't fight like that. I mean, she she's not a bully. She doesn't lean on you. She's not a power puncher. So kind of what I'm getting around to is uh, even though, in this case, truly Amanda Serrano truly is the naturally lighter fighter, I think she's got to be in a little bit better shape if they have a rematch because... As many punches as she thrown, and she did out-punch Katie Taylor, too, throughout the fight, to her credit, you know, landed more. But she was a little too gassed, you know, up until the 10th when she picked it back up. And I think she was regaining her win. So I think she could probably be in a little bit better shape there, some, some somewhere there, because she, she's the younger fighter, too, that probably uh, – might want to be in just a little 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 if there's going to be a rematch might want to be in a little bit better shape because i think i don't look at it as a sour grapes but i do agree with some of the people for me for a different reason the reason i'm talking about that you know, serrano was then after the fight saying well katie taylor is bigger than me yes yeah, she is but i mean i don't think that's really why you in this particular case you didn't get her out of there um or finish stronger. So you might want to look at something else there. So I, I did kind of not like those comments either, but for for different reasons.
2: Yeah, and I, I do think that a couple of rounds after that, even though I had her win in the next round after that, after the fifth round, um, <clears throat> clearly something had to do with that round, right? Because I was just talking about, like, we think of 114 punches as a lot for someone to... Throwing three minutes, right? But in two minutes, it's it's like really going for it. Um, yes. Yeah. So you know, it's a combination of both. Maybe I don't know if she needed to get in much better shape though, because to able to do that, still be, you know, I don't know. I I do think that did affect her though. Uh, you know, for a couple rounds, no doubt about it. You know, I didn't. I, I went back and looked at the cards again, and I didn't realize all three of them gave that last round, even the re, even the the winning scorecard uh six four gave her that uh, gave Taylor the last round and that was interesting i i didn't know that. I went back and looked like, huh, wow, even the I winning did. scorecard had that that's kind of interesting.
3: Can't, i can't get that and, and, and I um you know sometimes you know doesn't mean I'm always agreeing with Chris Mannix or anything, but I, I like to be fair. I thought Chris Mannix was scoring it right, and I thought he was getting a little intimidated that he had to start giving Taylor a lot of rounds. I mean, I had it it like he did early, you know? I mean, if I recall, you know, the first three rounds, I mean, now in the first three, I thought Serrano won two out of the three, but I could see, I actually could see if you wanted to make a case for Taylor getting those three rounds. I thought Serrano got two of those three, but but then, you know, that's, that's a stretch. You know, to me, that was a bit of a stretch, and I still didn't see any way she wins the 10th.
2: So, yeah. I, you know I, I saw I, a lot of people the first four rounds do, uh, you know, 4-0. Taylor's like, 4-0? <laughs> 2-2, right. no, maybe? No. You know, I'll meet yeah. you halfway, 2-2. But right. no, I agree. Or even 2-1, like you said, after three. Okay, and I don't, I I don't Man- agree with it, but at least, you know, that.
3: And I didn't think Mannix was off base. What he had at like five one, I thought it. I thought it yeah. was a conceivable. I thought it was the conceivable scoring for the first six rounds. I was kind of in line with it. Uh, you know, no doubt Taylor rallied. You know, after Sharan almost had her out of there, but but I don't think she won the tenth. So I, I don't. I just can't see that. T- I really just can't see that tenth round scoring.
2: Yeah, and and uh, some of it is just. Both of them were swinging so much, and I think people forget they saw, like you said, they saw Taylor down that at like the minute mark on, landing some really good shots, but, you know, it's not like Strato didn't close that around with harder shots, too. So, it's like you can't take away the first minute of winning the round to be back and forth, and we could, you know, we could maybe you know, we'd have to maybe watch the last minute again to see, okay, so who did land the better punches? But if if someone's won the first minute and then it's about even, well, that's, you know, that's pretty easy to figure out there. But I think think you're right about the just back and forth exchanges, just going nuts. And sometimes you get lost in some of that. We see that with scorecards or people thinking whoever won on Twitter off of fighters that overachieve in a fight that you didn't see coming like oh my god you know so you end up giving a couple more rounds and so kind of plays uh, somewhat similar to that Um, any other things from this card that you want to talk about obviously beefy uh, Smith um, you know took care of Vargas I think Vargas maybe should go back to his political career Um, you know I I mean I know he had to shut down the campaign or whatever but um, any other items that you want to uh, discuss when it comes to this yeah, fight?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, Liam start? Smith. L- 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 Smith's, Smith's ended up being a little bit better than I thought he was. Matter of fact, in Transnational, and it did pass. I, I actually advocated for him getting moved up because he's got he's got two straight KO wins. You know, he's not really a puncher over his career, but he's making. You know, he he, he does. He does a little bit of every. I, I like what, what I saw somebody say about him yesterday, which is I kind of see it the same way. He, he doesn't do one thing spectacularly, but but he does everything pretty good. Um, and you know, it's 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 enough for him to you know. I thought he should have gotten the decision in that Kurbanov fight, and then he's gotten two straight KOs. Um, you know, I, I mean, he does. You know, at, at one fifty four. You know he does. He's he's. People get confused though. Then he doesn't fit with the top guys, you know. Uh, the NPBC's got that division dominated. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't fit with those guys? But, but yet he's you know he's established himself as a legitimate top ten one fifty four guy in the back of the top ten, and it doesn't mean he deserves the shot at the Charlo Castano winner. And then if they start doing the striptease of belts, I don't care about that stuff. But you know you'd like i mean people have been suggested i mean that's the problem though is you got these cross in the street things were for it to happen because you know if he were to fight in theory like now him fighting a Jesus ramos or or fighting a zoo those would be interesting fights you know i don't i don't think he'd win but i mean like that those would be good fights for those guys smiths turning out he would be a good fight for those types of guys right now but it's probably going to be some type of thing that, you know, because he's with his own and her, and they'll they'll just wait for some alphabet strip tease, and they'll fight some guy we never heard of before for one of the alphabet belts, and they'll, they'll say, William Smith's fighting for a second world championship, and, and those are those are the problems with boxing, but Smith, outside of that part of it, he's a good story in the sense that, that part, I do agree with the people that were praising him for it. I'm, I'm in that camp that you know, if you keep it in perspective, the guy has revived his career pretty well, and now you look back, you know, lost to Munguia, lost to Canelo. I mean, you know, not not really any not really any shame there. Went the distance with Munguia, gave him a pretty good fight. And, you know, Canelo, he didn't do that well. But, but now when you look at the entirety of the guy's career, that might be more that, you know, Canelo's, you know, proving to be the number one pound-for-pound guy in boxing. And Smith's not really that bad. He's not really a top-of-the-division guy, but he's not bad. That's the one main takeaway I had from uh, from that undercard. Var- Vargas just was basically – he was just the same Vargas, really. Yeah, it was at a higher weight, but kind of the same guy. Vargas just every time, except for landing those uncharacteristic bombs against Saddam Ali, he, he just right. doesn't get the win when he fights better fighters. Let's face it. I mean, you can look at the entirety of his career, and, and that's not unfair to say. So he, he's really actually proven he's at more of a lower level.
2: All right. Switching up to the uh, Shakur Stevenson-Oscar Valdez fight, obviously Keyshawn Davis. Uh, scored what a six-round TKO, I believe. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, what'd you think of this fight, uh, Oscar? Just really, there's probably three rounds that you could go. Okay, he did good in those rounds. Um, I think it was the third, eighth, and tenth, or something like that. But it just seemed like he was going in there and trying to try to land one big punch. Um, was had those moments where he got close enough to land the body and all that. And and I think in the third round, he actually made uh, Shakur look at the ref and be like, hey, what, what, you know, and that's obviously what he had to do for the most of the fight. He had to really make it rough. He had to do a bunch of stuff that he doesn't necessarily always do. We talked about that, how it's kind of a blend style. Uh, does he brawl and in exchange and all that? Yeah, but he's not uh, put you up against the rope all the time unless you – Lead yourself there. I mean, he can cut off the ring somewhat, but he wasn't going to be able to cut off the ring over and over against a guy like uh, Shakur. What'd you what'd you think on both sides of this? And um, you know, maybe address the Stevenson as far as uh, some folks thinking he didn't go for the kill. Uh, but overall, what'd you think of uh, his performance in the fight in general? Overall
3: was good. This was another one that Stevenson pretty much this one did what did what I expected. I thought that. He he would just be a little hesitant to open up to get Valdez out of there because Valdez has some pop. But I agree with, you know, what you've been alluding to with Valdez, and even watching the fight, it seemed that way. You know, as good as Stevenson is, a little bit of a head-scratcher as to what the strategy was. And, And I agree with you. He had one good round. To me, really, the only round that stood out for him winning in the fight or good round for him. But he had a really good third round, and then you thought, oh wow, this might maybe is he going to surprise us? He's got a strategy, and now he's just going to going to do this the rest of the way. And you didn't see that again. And and just watching the fight, you really were kind of scratching your head as you didn't know what Valdez's strategy for winning was. You never really saw it. Um, Stevenson, like most of what he did, you know, the defense has become some of the best in boxing. Um, he was. Still standing in there, you know, wasn't really, you know, not overly moving away or anything like that. I mean that in a good way. Laying in some, you know, good power shots, jab, and mixing in some power shots, throw some body shots. But what I kind of figured, he, Valdez just has enough pop that, that just kept him where he was going to be cautious about just open enough to get him out of there because he, he probably could have gotten him out of there. Uh, really, only criticism for for, for for Stevenson for me was, and gotta say this because look, boxing is still an entertainment boxing business. It's prize fighting. You know how you market does matter. Kind of gotta say around. I think it would have been around maybe the seventh or eighth round. I mean, it was getting like some of his other. And even though Valdez was the best opponent he's fought, you know I, I do rank him ahead of Herring in terms of quality of opposition. But with that understood, and it was a big fight. Uh, you know, you got to the seventh or eighth round. It started reminding me of some of those other boring Stevenson fights, and and he he was starting to make you sleepy at that point, and not in a good way. Not Valdez sleepy, which is what you want to see, but the fans sleepy. And you know, he can't control this part of it. But it, to me, it all does kind of add together. I mean, these are these are fights that are running late in the east. And, you know, Stevenson, you know, he's marketed from, from Newark. You know, that's where he grew up. Uh, Brick City, and I like that being from Jersey myself. I, I think the East Coast has a boxing history that that's always smart marketing. And, you know, you've got New York area media, New Jersey media, where, you know, that's a big asset. And I saw he was getting some stories can be big. But why I mentioned all that is, you know, to, to be to, to starting to get boring. You know, when, when these, these fights are running real late in the East, and, and you know, you're, you're in round, you're around eight to twelve is starting to put the fans to sleep. Um, that could probably be a little better done marketing by him. Only small criticism because dominated the fight, did what he needed to do. He wasn't running or anything like that. Uh, so you know, no criticism there in terms of entertainment value. But just it was just it was just getting a little bit boring there in the second half of the fight where you you know. To Stevenson's credit, I mean he's making a better fighter look that way. I can see that argument. In other words, you know he's making Valdez look like his lesser opposition. Part of that's the idea, but yet I think there is a little bit of an entertainment part of it that, you know, if you're you're going to get people in the East Coast watching, watching him, you know, at 12:30 what what o'clock in the morning, and 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 he's going to be going safety first against guys, you know, at at one o'clock in the morning in the later rounds. That's that might not be that great of an entertainment sell. I mean, that's kind of where you need a guy that you're up against b- even better than Valdez. I mean, this would be theoretically would be the kind of guy that would make that entertaining. Is if you're fighting a Gervonta Davis, who's capable of knocking your head off figuratively, of course. Uh, then sometimes that can have its own drama late in the fight. But you know, when you're fighting, you know, Val Val Valdez Val- Val- has had some bad nights against limited opposition. I mean, let's face it, really throughout his career. So, uh, you know, he's got, he's definitely got some flaws, even being at the, you know, was at the top of this division, you know, 130 pounds, but there's too many weight classes. And this is sometimes you see the reason why with this type of a thing. Um, But, you know, against opposition, that's not that, not as dangerous. Stevenson should, he should step on it and try to get these guys out of here, but that's just small criticism because it was a really good performance He's only 24 years old. The the future is definitely bright. Um, I like the way he's just shutting people out defensively, and and he's getting his punches in there. I I, I like what I'm seeing there. You know, he throws some body shots. Uh, he'll he'll now make sure he mixes some power shots in there. I like how he's already talking where he's not afraid to. Um, move up the lightweight. You know, Chris, you may be right with Aaron. This might be just marketing, but in this instance, I kind of got to agree with him, and I don't think it's actually bad for the sport. Um, you know, to to pick up alphabet belts against those under, other 130-pound right. belt holders who really aren't that great of fighters. Like, you just got to say it because it's the truth. I mean, I, I don't need Shakur oh, yeah. Stevenson and Roger Gutierrez. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that sold as Unification. So I like kind of where Aram's going there. Um, I agree with you. In house with is not that exciting uh, when we could get to better stuff. But I, I think they're probably serious about it because, you know, Haney's going to fight Kambosos. You know, if they're talking Lomachenko, um, top rank's got Haney now, too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't rule it out in a good way. I mean, you know, if they want to go in house at some point. So, now, they're both boxers. It's not the best style matchup, but they're both top American fighters who are undefeated with great amateur pedigree. So, uh, and, you know, Steven's yeah. a silver medalist. We can't forget that. I mean, he's got really top amateur pedigree, uh, best for the U.S. in a while. But, I mean, that, that, there's some good stuff there. Uh, you know, that's a, a, assuming Kane, Haney gets by Cambosos. And, you know, but maybe Cambosos is going to keep fighting top-ranked guys. You know, he, he's down doing a couple in a row. I don't know if that means that's going to be a trend or not, but it could be. You know how we know that a lot of times these things go where the relationships work for making these fights. So um, I think I'm in the camp that Stevenson, you know, he won the ring belt transnational 130 uh, Saturday night. Uh, I, I think that's enough. I don't I don't see him the need to, I don't, you know, people say, oh, well, they'd like to see one 130 defense. Eh, I'm even going to say, He's he's the top guy. It doesn't if somebody else jumped out to me out there, you know. But but they really don't. I, I think Stevenson's on the right track. Time time for lightweight, and uh, you know we've got all those good fighters up there. You don't know if these fights can be made, but but at least they're there. So uh, at least you can get some buzz going. So uh, I'm in favor of the lightweight move. This was a good get to the top of this you know 130 pound division and and move on. But good performance overall. Uh, but there could be a little bit of more entertainment value maybe in those later rounds. But otherwise, uh, an excellent performance for Stevenson. And, and Valdez, just in closing out that fight, it really does fit. And Now, I'm admitting I, I keep on emphasizing it is hindsight because I was thinking highly of Burkchelt going into the Valdez fight. But I'm going to go through that one more time. Some knowledgeable people were saying, hey, no, this guy gets hit too much before the fight. I was thinking, hey, he, doesn't, he looks like he's got some skill along with his pop, though. But, you know, he he was just like a punching bag against Valdez. You know, came back in that next fight, got knocked out again, really in a similar fashion. Um, you know, some, some of his past opponents aren't looking like they were really, in hindsight, all that formidable. I'm talking about Burchell. So I, I just think, and Valdez then had the positive PED, you know, after that, which adds a further cloud. I I just think in evaluating Valdez now, we almost got to throw that Burchelt fight, not, not out the window, but diminish that and look at the entirety. And, and he struggled a lot against a lot of lesser guys. And, and the resume may have some more known names, but it's really not that strong for who he's fought. Stevenson, ended up being by far the best guy he's also fought, and and he really wasn't competitive, so uh, he's 31 years old. Uh, I'm not sure how, you know, he he might need to stay at that 130 because it's not that strong, and and let Stevenson move up, and then pick up some some fights there against some of those other guys who aren't that good.
2: And then, um, I, I agree, I mean, You know, if Lomachenko wasn't available, then maybe I could see taking another fight or two at 130 or whatever, maybe taking one 130 in-house and then going up to 135, the old test-to-weight stuff or whatever against Solid Guy or whatever. But if Lomachenko's on the actual table, then, yeah, I think you do go up uh, after that. Um, What do you think – I mean, obviously not – that you could take a ton out of Keyshawn Davis's, uh, you know, victory because of the competition and he's young, you know, in his career. But just overall, what do you think of him? Because a lot of people are really high on him. I'm pretty high on him as well. Just looking at um, the hand speed, the, what appears to be explosiveness, the, the movement, the control at, at this age, what do you think, you know, what you saw in the ring, but just in general, uh, overall, for uh, Keyshawn Davis, I, I like Davis
3: because to me he looks like a guy who's who's got who's got the skill, the boxing skill, you know, some speed. But he, he's also got some pop, and and he'll at least look to get some of these guys out of there. You you could see that early on with him, and that's really what I like about him is, you know, he's he's a boxer with some skill uh, and some amateur pedigree, but he's at least willing to get some guys out of there. You know, he's not overly cautious where he won't go for the knockout. So so I like that combination there with him. So I think the future future is bright for Davis. I I do like him, uh you know, out of, out of the top rank prospects. Uh, you know, he ended up signing with top rank after he went back to the Olympics. Uh had those few fights on the zone before that. But uh, out of top ranks current prospects, he's uh, you know he's uh, got to be one of their top guys, if, if not the top guy, I'd say. So I, I, I agree with everybody else there. So uh, you know lightweight, the future at lightweight. I, I hope now lightweight's a different story for me. Lightweight's where I hope these fighters hang around the division. I mean, even though it looks like sure, they may sure. not, I'd, I'd like to see these guys hang around there and really have some showdowns. I mean. I didn't think it was over hyperbole like a lot of other people did about, you know, these guys really being a modern era of, you know, the Leonard Hearns, you know, Duran, Benitez type guys. Uh, I didn't think it was a stretch. Of course, there's some ways to go, but, you know, these these are real talented guys. I mean, you know, Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, you know, Devin Haney, you got Shakur Stevenson, you know, coming in there possibly next, you know, Keyshawn Davis uh, on the way up, uh, you know, Tio, unfortunately though, this is the problem with boxing with too many weight classes. And you know now you've got Tiafimo Lopez, he's already going to be at 140 pounds. So, you know, you've lost him. I mean, I wouldn't count him out just because of the one loss to Cambosos. And then you've got Cambosos who, you know, let's not count the guy out coming off a very sure. impressive performance against Lopez. And, He's really earned the right to show he's for real, so to speak, and he's going to get that chance, of course, against Devin Haney. And of course, he is, the, to me, you know, Cambosos is the real champ. Uh, you know, he's he's the lineal lightweight champ, and and that, that's see, to me, you don't need the unification, care about the alphabet. The right thing is Devin Haney's getting the shot. So the winners, the the winner's the champ. But I don't need, I don't have a need or to get into that nonsense with WBC regular and all that. To me, you know. Haney's just a top challenger and, and this is going to be his shot to, to win the title. And he, you know, he beats Cambosas, That's it. There's no debate. He's, he is the, the champion then, but you know, Kambosis is that guy right now. And this is, you know, I don't think it is, but it's Cambosos' chance to prove that the Lopez fight, was, fight wasn't a fluke. And, and you know, maybe in that sense, Cambosos really just needs to, of course he wants to win, wants to remain champion, but yeah, he may almost just need a really good competitive performance to prove yeah. it for real. And he didn't just have one good night.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean that that is going to be interesting. I'm really interested in, in that fight because of that exact reason, style match up and whatnot. And even going to 140 for Tio, as long as he stays in that range, that's really not far off because,
1: you know, Haney's
2: already a big 35 pounder. Um, you know, uh, but I know what you're saying as far as uh, hanging around at 135 because Stevenson looks like, size-wise, he was good to go at 130. So he shouldn't have a problem at 135 at all. Um, my only pushback is I didn't need, like, a nickname for the division of these guys just yet. You know, I didn't need the four kings.
0: <laughs> right. You know what
2: I mean? Because we weren't calling them four kings before they, you know they had to fight each other. Then they earn that nickname. So that was my only thing um, about that. Well, let's get a nickname. No, nah, let's let them fight, and then you know, let, let's we can make other comparisons. Like you said, this is a valid uh, talent level, no doubt about it. I mean, especially because they were mostly all young beyond Lomachenko at the time.
3: Um, maybe they maybe they should be the four princes then, since they haven't earned it yet to become a king. Right? Yeah. So maybe
2: yeah, I four, did see some of that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It. Yeah. That's really the only thing I had the pushback because it was like, no, nah, let's not do that. You know, but, but you're right. As far as it, it's, it's hard to deny uh, that. And Hey, if you lose Tia Fimo, well adding a Shakur Stevenson is a pretty damn good, uh, you know, subtraction exactly. addition right there. So exactly. uh, we're good. Yeah. So we're, we're good yeah. to go there. Um, get into the fight this weekend, Canelo Alvarez, Dimitri Bivel, obviously, um, going up to light heavyweight, uh, is Canelo, um, he only fought there one other time against Kovalev, and, uh, obviously, you know, Kovalev, I'm not going to say he was a 100% shell of himself, like, he was a, a dead man walking, um, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in his prime any longer. I, I think that's not really a a crazy thing to say. He did fight you know, not long ago, a couple uh, several decades ago, fighting in August and then fight in November wouldn't be a big deal at all. But he did get, you know, dinged up pretty good in that fight, uh, you know, with Yard. Um and then previous to that he had been stopped by Elvarez and then did come back and get that, you know, over the 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 win, you know, back. So that was a, a nice win form of whatnot. Uh, but he had like I'm looking at the scorecards right now, you know, ninety five, ninety five, ninety six, ninety four, ninety six, ninety four. Those are those are tight scorecards, you know? Um especially for a, a Canelo fight, you know? Um so So he fought at 175, and, you know, he didn't look, like, phenomenal, per se, Um, but, and he even said he didn't like, it's funny, because he said this about a year ago, that he thought he was a little slower, he felt a little sluggish at 75, and then he's like, oh, I'm going up to 75, so it's like, well, wait a second, you couldn't have felt that bad. Um, at that weight, but that was a while ago now that he said that. But I remember him specifically saying, 168 is my weight class. So in the back of my head, I'm thinking, huh, okay, maybe that will add something to it. Um, But Biffle, he is six foot, but, you know, for for a light heavyweight, I think his reach is like 72 or 73. So it's really not a major, um, you know, we can look at height of course, but reach-wise, it's really not, I want to make sure, yeah, 72, so he really doesn't have that long of arms, considering the weight class, per se, um, which stylistically, you know, could help him out there, obviously. Um, I don't know, I mean, Bivol, if this is the Bivol from a few years ago, when he was just well, obviously more active in in facing guys like a Barrera, Joe Smith Jr. and a faded Pascal and Chalemba and stuff like that. You know, he went through this stretch where since, let's see, since since that Joe Smith fight, this was March 2019. So three years ago, he's had three fights in three years. Now he did manage to get two fights in last year and um, they well, his last three went the distance, but he did, he did get two fights in instead of having that long stretch because he got shut down October twelfth, um, two thousand nineteen was his last fight when you know then COVID hit and he didn't fight till the, the next May. So he had that well, at least he's gotten two fights and especially one
1: you know in December.
2: Um, now I'm not saying he looked bad that the competition. Wasn't great, obviously. But at least he got that under his belt, um, so he's not going to come in off of, uh, you know, 18 months out of the ring or something like that. Um, he does present some fundamental skills. Um, you know, he does kind of have that upright, stereotypical European stance. He's got kind of a wider stance, but he does – he's got good footwork. He does these little minor adjustments where he, he can catch and shoot. I think that is a key. He's got like a a, a a jab that he, you know, definitely can variate. He, he, he definitely faints a lot with it. Got that left hook that he loves to throw. It's pretty fast, and, and especially when it's short. Um, we'll see how he takes the body. There has been a couple of fights, I think that Barrera fight, where you thought, mm, the way he responded to that body shot – I'm not saying he responded it like uh, Keith Thurman, where you're like visually like, oh wow, that really bugged him. But it was a little bit of that, um, and also overhand rights, you, you've definitely seen him get hit pretty flush with that. Um, but I do think that catch and shoot, some of the fundamental, you know, adjustments that he can make uh, in a fight, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a pretty damn good fighter. It just He kind of lost, well, not kind of, he lost momentum, you know? Um, Three fights in three years is going to do that, and it's not like they were big fights or something like that. So heading into this, now, obviously, another thing is, like, output, right, John? I mean, we know Canelo's not Mr. Output. He barely even throws, like, three or four or five-punch combinations uh, like he did when he was younger, but when he was younger, he would gas more throughout fights biggest thing was like trying to establish a jab and also try to counterpunch but counterpunch at range he wasn't always on the move it does seem like he embraced the come forward style after that or during that second or that second golovkin fight um, it does look like he you know he's trying to throw punches that really do hurt you know what I mean, and, and I wonder if, if a big overhand right or you know work into the body um, on Bibble if, if he'll shell up because we've seen that when he's been hurt or a little a little affected by some punches to shell up, and that's not going to get you you know that far. Um, what, what do you think here? Obviously, scorecards it's hard to beat them. I did, did I mentioned that Kovalev fight because Kovalev's got a good jab and he does, you know, some fundamentally stuff. I guess you could say kind of similar, but also the scorecards. The scorecards actually at that time anyway, um, were pretty damn fair for a Canelo fight. What 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 are your thoughts on this uh fight and, and who do you think is going to win how is it going to happen? I haven't, you know,
1: you could say
3: Bibball, to me hasn't been this hasn't been the same fighter since earlier earlier in his career, and I know that. And a lot of times this is the case, but I don't necessarily think it is with him. You know, it would be well the opposition got better, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to look. You know, looking at his record, what I'm specifically looking at, you know, you know, these are guys you could say, well, you're a trial horse gatekeeper type guys, like he fought. Samuel Clarkson and knocked him out, but Clarkson was an underrated, tricky guy. Um, you know, Agnew had been around, he knocked him out. Um, then, you know, Broadwater was an Australian, you know, who was, you know, uh, you know had fought over there, but, uh, you know, had a, had a decent record. He got him out of there in a round. And then Sullivan Barrera, who I respected skill-wise, and he had more left at that point. And of course, had had a big win over Joe Smith, uh, you know, where he got off the canvas, but then he dominated Joe Smith, a big win. You know, Smith had been coming off the the Hopkins knockout and everything. Uh, Bivol, Barrera came to win and that was an entertaining fight, um, where, you know, Bivol was ahead, but, but I thought Barrera had his moments and and had won some rounds and, you know, Bivol stepped on the gas late and, and knocked him out. Um, I have not seen that guy since that fight. Uh, and I mean, duval Now, you know, he's he since got a win over Joe Smith, which, you know, the way Joe Smith has fought since, you got to say, was a good win. Famously now, you know, got got buzzed during that fight, later in the fight, and, and won. But, uh, it, it, you know, Pascal, people don't say, well, Pascal. But, you know, Pascal was faded. He rallied a little bit. But, you know, Pascal, not a volume puncher or anything. I mean, that was dull. Like you said, Chalumba, you have know, been around another dull fight. Um, you know, so the Smith win, okay, you say, good win there. But then, then, then he goes off this, you know, run of lesser opposition that, that he's just going safety first and jumping in and out with only the jab. You know, Lennon Castillo, uh, you know, Craig Richards, Salomov. I mean, these were just dreadfully boring performances. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Anybody that saw any of those fights knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, he became this guy. He became, to me, you see that, you know, we've said it a lot of times, but it's true that when when you had that punch-counting amateur era that's now been been gone, but but a lot of the training – and and you know in the amateur ranks was like that, and when these guys were younger and they were fighting or starting to fight, it was like that. You know, you see it with a lot of the Cubans. You see it, you know, with some of the former Soviet bloc fighters, where you know this this jump, this jumping in and out. You know, just just sticking the jab, jumping in and out. Now, this to me, for whatever reason, and I'm getting to, I think it's been mental with Bivol for whatever reason, but we've seen it with fighters before. I pointed this week out. You know, on Twitter that, you know, Hector Camacho was never the same guy after getting stung by Edwin Rosario in a fight he won, and I thought he won that fight even though it was controversial at the time. I thought he did hang on to win. He de- Everybody agrees, and that this is the truth. You know, he was never the same guy after that fight. Bivol, to me, I don't know why exactly, but s- since that Barrera fight, even though he's picked up wins against, you know, Pascal and Smith, he, he just hasn't looked like the same guy. He was punching with authority up to that Barrera fight, getting knockouts, and now he, he just he just jumps jumps in and out with that jab. Uh, Dan Canobio pointed out this week again: punch stats don't always matter, but once in a while they are illuminated. Uh, Bivol is is throwing like the least power punches. He's one of the guys throwing the least power punches in boxing now. You know, he, just, he right. just throws he just throws the jab I guess and that lesser to me,
2: opposition too, you know, like you said. That's the key. Right. That's not the a good key combo.
3: Is, Right, that's the key. I mean, that's not a natural combo. You know, for him to go to that low of a power punch rate and just use the jab against Lennon Castillo, Craig Richards and Salomov. I mean, something's wrong you know you just watch the fight there's something wrong there I know Canelo and his people think they see that I mean let's face it it's pro boxing and Canelo gets to pick who he wants to fight more than anybody else and don't get me wrong I'm with everybody else when you look at Canelo's resume compared to everybody else in boxing he does fight the toughest opposition compared to everybody else so I'm with you there don't get me wrong but at the same time He is a fighter because he's the money man. He gets to select who he wants to fight. And, you know, they've they've got Bivol in mind for for a reason. I I do – it does, to his credit, though, I mean, Beter Biev's got the lineal light heavyweight title, the fight with Smith just got announced. I would think, even though those are top-ranked guys, you know, Canelo being a free agent now, I I think that's where he's headed. I mean, I I do think that's probably where he's headed uh, if he wins this fight Saturday night. So it is significant in that sense, and and Bivol. Even you know, with you look at transnational rankings. I mean, he's the, you know, with of the champ. He's the number one guy. So I'm with everybody else. I mean, it's it's not taking an easy fight by any means, but but I just don't see. And Bivol's difficult. He's got skill, but I just don't see him as the same guy that he was a few years ago. Kind of like you were alluding to, Uh, and I think he'll be difficult. I think this is going to be a boring fight. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a really boring fight. I think you accurately, talked about, you accurately talked about Canelo's mentality because, you know, Canelo's always that hard a counterpuncher. And the first thing that you mentioned is combos. The first thing that stood out to me about Canelo as a very young fighter, and I liked him a lot when I saw him when he was very young because of the combinations. And he's still a great combination puncher, but he's cautious. He 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 likes to counter. So I think he'll still, to me, he'll still go with the combinations, and his combinations are devastating. Arguably, the best combination puncher in boxing, and I would say especially when he does it with power. Um, but he's still a, a counter puncher at heart, even if he is moving forward, and. Yeah, he's not a crazy like you said. He we know you know if you if you know Canelo well, you know he's not a crazy volume guy. He's not a volume puncher. You know he comes forward a lot of times, but he's not a volume guy. He likes to counter. I think you're right. This is going to look kind of like I don't think the weight will matter though because to me again I like to go back to the original classes because I think the alphabets just created ones we don't need. I mean, if it was in the old eight weight class days, I mean, Canelo would have been fighting as a light heavyweight for a long time now because, you know, he's been fighting over 160 pounds. So, you know, the one Kovalev fight nowadays is officially light heavyweight, but he's been fighting over 160, for well over 160 for a long time, and he got the knockout against Kovalev. So even though Kovalev's chin had had looked more vulnerable, it was still a nice knockout, but like you pointed out, Christian, you're right. I mean, Canelo wasn't throwing a lot in that fight beforehand. He was being very cautious. We've seen him do that before. And when I think about it, really one of the common threads probably is, you know, Saunders and Caleb plant, aren't the biggest punchers. And, you know, he got those guys out of there really both stoppages started with that kind of hybrid hook uppercut that, they both didn't really seem to see coming. Uh, it it's caused the first knockdown on Plant and and Sa- Saunders. You know, you know, damaged his eye and quit um, in the corner at, right after after that shot. Um, but you know, those guys aren't aren't big punchers. Um, you know, Callum Smith, arguably, you'd say a little more pop. Canelo dominated the fight, but that won twelve. You know, um, you know, Danny Jacobs has got some pop. You know, Canelo definitely won that fight but he was cautious in that fight you know he was not he was not wildly opening up or anything like that I think you're going to get that in this fight and then you're going to have Bivol bival where I'm disagreeing with everybody else on on Bivol I think we're something we'll see who's right Saturday night but I think we're you know a lot of even hardcore people are making a mistake is that they think you know, Bivol's just going to turn it on. You know what I mean? In other words, he's had these three straight fights where he's right. been dreadful, lesser opposition, afraid, let's face it, afraid to do any kind of uh, engaging, throw any kind of power punches. And all of a sudden now, he's going to be in with the best pound-for-pound guy in boxing, and, and he's going to become this wild, aggressive madman. Or, you know, this, this uh, guy throwing all these brilliant combinations and, and you know, put hurt on Canelo. Uh, because it's that light heavyweight. That, that's not, I don't see that happening. I, I see Bivol just sticking his jab out there, jumping in and out, being as cautious as ever. If he, if he was cautious against Sa- Salomov, Richards, and Castillo, he's not going to be throwing any power punches against Canelo. And so I just see him jumping in and out with the jab, stinking it out, basically. Um, you know, and then I always look in a fight like this. When you get such little happening like that, and, you know, Canelo's polarizing. I mean, you know, you, you might get Canelo yeah. haters that are giving big rounds for, for for jumping in and out and flicking a jab. Uh, not because I'm biased, just because I think effective aggression matters. I'm not going to be giving him those rounds and not, not any bias against them, but I can just tell you that now, you know. So um, they're, they're not going to be rounds in the bank to me. So I, I figure Canelo will be more aggressive, He won't throw a lot, but he'll throw the power shots. And I see – I think the most likely result is boring Canelo decision that maybe some Canelo haters want to give Bivol more rounds than he deserves. But uh, I just think Bivol is going to be too cautious to get stopped here. Uh, He does have boxing skill. And and it's not like he doesn't have any power if he would use it. Uh, People talk about him. He's got a really nice
2: left hook when he shortens it up. You
3: know? Yeah, and, and right hand, if you look earlier in his career, I've seen him knock guys out with big right hands. I do think that I don't agree with a lot of people. Like, I think Bivol, it's the style. I actually think he does have some pop, but I don't think he uses it just because it's Canelo. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's been cautious against the lesser opposition. I don't think he just starts throwing left hooks and right hands now, you know, Saturday night because he's in with Canelo, especially yeah. when Canelo's got the best chin. It's either him or Golovkin. Take your pick. I think it's probably Canelo because Golovkin is a bigger puncher, I think, than Canelo. But Canelo's probably got the best chin in boxing. So I don't think Vival's going to go on a power-punching barrage knowing that going in. And, and you know, I, I just think probably boring, boring decision Canelo. Uh, I think with both guys' mentality, maybe decision's good here um i guess if you're really now if you're in the opposite camp and you're really so far down on on Bivol and there's a couple of people out there like that you, know, you get differing opinions i mean then you could i guess think about a canelo stoppage but I, I just think Bivol's got skill and he's he's just he's just so cautious that that he'll he'll think it he'll think it out before he gets stopped so um i think this one's going 12 and i'll say canelo boring decision
2: there we have it. Any other items you want to talk about?
3: Uh, that, uh, yeah, I think just before I go, Chris, real, real briefly, try to make it brief. I know famous last words, but um, you know <laughs> the 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 the, undercar- the undercards. You know, look, I w- I was looking at you know we talked about it. The PBC Spence Ugas under the greatest, but as I tweeted out earlier tonight, I mean, that's looking like Don King, 1982 compared to the Fury white undercard and the Canelo befall undercard. And yeah, you know, sure. We go for the main event, but let's face it. These fights are also marketed nowadays, more to hardcore boxing fans. You know, you might, Arguably say, well, a casual is just looking at the main event and saying, oh, you know, it's Canelo or it's Fury. I'm going to buy that. But as we all know, there's not many casuals out there, if even any, nowadays in the boxing world. So, you know, you're talking hardcore fans. I mean, these undercards, Fury White and uh, Bivol Canelo, are so bad that I think they can drive down purchases. I mean, you, you know, you look at this. Yes, Canelo. The biggest star in boxing, but outside of paying seventy-five bucks for that, I mean, Bivol is not widely known in the U.S. Um, you know, he's never had a network TV appearance. He's been on HBO, but uh, that's a while back. You know, HBO hasn't even been in, been in boxing, so you know, to, to have you know, and Fury, you know, a guy they're trying to get going in the U.S., uh, you know, to just have undercards this bad, uh, there, there's no value there. I mean, there's just no value there at all. At least TBC was getting some main guys on their undercard at least, or, you know, contenders, I mean, fighting somebody. These are just – these undercards are just brutal, this Fury White undercard and this Bivol Canelo. It's it's really not much of a sell at all.
2: Yeah, and, and just so we're, uh, you know, remembering the recent co-feature uh, – for the next uh, PBC one, that co-feature doesn't do the trick either. Arislani Lara against Sullivan, you know. That, no, that no, doesn't no, that, do the that's trick. That's Right? Yeah, no, I like the dreadful. two other fights, like, for their levels of where they're at, but that's a really horrible uh, co-feature. But at least, you know, like you said, I mean, the Dillian White, Tyson Fury, I mean, that one was horrendous. Um, now, you, some people, will say well the heavyweight you know fight got taken off of this one still though i mean that was an okay fight that i had a little interest in you know
3: but you're right the I, had inter-
2: I had interest in that
3: i did have interest in that as yeah, a fun heavyweight you know? fight right because
2: right.
3: that Z- zang would be throwing bombs as long as he was in there right, the game, right? i thought it would be entertained gone. i mean you know, but but that's but gone. gone. I mean, you know, even if the, even if there's some reason for that, I mean, these promoters got to be ready. You know, like we can't, you know, I mean that that's gone. And like Jared Anderson fell out of the Tyson Fury undercard. I, I'd be yep. the first to say he was perfect. He was the perfect guy to have on that card. But you know, they've got to make adjustments. Then I mean, these these just are, are going out there. You know, we're we're not going to hear, I don't think, you know, we're not going to hear the Fury White pay-per-view numbers. I don't think we're going to hear, even though it's Canelo, I don't think we're going to hear these either. I mean, uh, just knowing Canelo's pay-per-view history, I got to figure this is going to be his lowest pay-per-view since Liam Smith. I think they'll they'll probably, you won't hear what the numbers are, but I'm going to guess it's going to be on that kind of level.
2: Yeah, it was kind of funny how here we are Wednesday, uh, 10 days removed from the uh, Fury White, and we don't have anything reported. And we know these reports are kind of hit or miss or whatever, where they're not exact science. But notice how we got an exact, basically an exact number for Spence got? They said it basically exactly the number. They didn't put it within a 25,000 or 50,000. They said, yeah, it's about this number right kind of funny how that works um but like yeah, i said any of these numbers we're not going to put everything involved in it, no matter what they get reported as but yeah it's 10 days later is very rare uh even for ones that are quote unquote a hundred you know under a hundred thousand coppinger or somebody puts them out there um i do find that kind of funny how oh weird that's kind of weird why isn't that getting reported um you know whatever But, yeah, I hear you. I definitely hear you on that. And uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Hopefully, you know, Montana Love fighting a guy who's kind of inexperienced. Hopefully that's like a good mid-level fight or some of these fights on the undercard do pop off. Uh, That's all we can hope for. But in the end, maybe on this card, like you said, let's hope for a very competitive, more action fight than stylistically I don't think you're far off on that one, John. The the main event stylistically could be a tit-for-tat kind of, uh, well, you know, I scored. I landed nine punches in that round to six or whatever. Right. Let's hope uh, it's not three or four big punches and that's how you won the round. But either way, uh, we'll be here to talk about it next week. You take it easy.
3: All right, Chris, thanks for having me.
2: Yes, sir. Take it easy. Have a good one. Take care. You too. All right, we're going to bring in Carcino in just a second. Given my take on the fight, you know, we know what Canelo brings to the ring. Bibble, I do think, like I said, he has some fundamentals there that he showed early in his career. He's not just – even though he does have the upright style that I talked about a couple times now, it is a little different. He's not as stiff. Um, One thing about his guard – We have seen him when he was hurt, you know, with the overhand rights or to the body. Uh, You know, he does kind of shell up for too long. Uh, Doesn't really hold all that much if he is hurt. Um, But he does keep his right hand nice and high. I'll say that. A lot of people talk about his jab. He's got a great jab. The variations on it, like I mentioned earlier, definitely likes to faint with it. I think he can get a lot accomplished with it. But will he bring those short left hooks in the overhand right? And, you know, they're both kind of range fighters. But you, you have seen Bibble kind of step to the side or move out of range but then quickly get back in the range. I talked about the catch and shoot. If he can catch and shoot in this fight, that'll be huge. He can punch on the move, um, but will he be safety first, you know, like, like a lot of people are talking about. Um, I don't know. I mean, he Canelo does have, as I mentioned, a more persistent style of, he doesn't come forward, but he doesn't look to just counter anymore, but he is looking for one or two big shots at a time. That's for sure. And, it, you know, a lot of people are making this point after that Barrera fight. It is true. He, he does fight safety first. He is kind of just in and out. He wasn't. He, he hasn't been throwing his right hand as much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the counter left hooks, uh, the catch and shoot, I think all those, he just needs to throw that right hand a little bit more, man, or, or counter with it or whatever, because it does seem like you jab, 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 and then throw in left hooks. Sometimes they're a little slow and wide. Other times they're short. And it pretty fast uh because he won't have like i mentioned that length of having four or five inches you know on him so it is kind of interesting you know had this fight taken place in 2018 with canelo jumping up to fight what he did that in 2019 right so in 2019 if canelo like if 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 um if Bibble's coming out that Joe Smith win in 2019, I think it was in, like, April or March. It was in the spring. If he fought him that November and it was a fresh Bibble rather than an older Kovalev, and you saw how that fight plays out, like how, how the Kovalev fight played out on the scorecards and in the ring, and then you think Bibble then, you go, wow, he might lose. This, I think he might lose this fight straight up. Um, and I, we all know on the scorecard it's very hard to beat him. Go look at those scorecards, dude. The, it was set for Kovalev to try to win that fight down the stretch. Now, obviously, like I said, he had been stopped prior before. He had taken some punishment in the first chunk of that fight against Yard. I know he, you know, what was it, the jab, knockout, or whatever, but um, it's kind of momentum, and Bibble's momentum since that Joe Smith fight, really, I mean, that's a long time ago. That's, that's over three years ago. Um, and people kind of look at him as like, well, does he have dog in him when he gets hurt? Has he, sh- has he shown that dog to fight back? You know, and, and we could say, well, the jab and some of the things Golovkin does with this jab and all that. Yeah. But Golovkin's way busier. He's going to come at you. Um, and he's, he's even busier when he was moving, you know, in the part of that fight. Um, you know, in the second fight. But I do have Covala, or I'm sorry, where am I at? I do have Canelo, not Covala. is not going to, well, he may be in the audience, but um, I got Canelo winning by decision, but I do think it's going to be competitive. Stylistically, it may be one of those slower fights. It may be the copy box looks pretty close at the end of the fight, you know? Um, but I think Bivol... Will throw a tad more, but I just don't think it'll be enough. You know, skill set. If he if he upped his rate a little bit more, I I would. And it, he had shown that. Kind of like what a lot of people are saying, and John just got done saying, it's weird to fight that much different. Well, not that much differently, but differently than he did in a couple of those early fights against lesser off. You know,
1: it, it does
2: kind of bug me. It's kind of like, huh, okay. You know, um, but I think it's going to be competitive. I uh, even, even saying the Kovalev fights, trying to comp that, right? Kovalev was way busier. And Kovalev's got a great jab, power jab, but he's busier with it as far as meaningful punches. How many meaningful punches will Bivol throw? And that's about how many rounds he, he may win. I mean, I could see him taking a couple of the first rounds just because of jab and movement and... And it takes a little while. Billy Joe Saunders, Plant, they fight different, but they won early rounds and all that. But it really seemed like Canelo was just looking for the big shot. I think Canelo's can't be just looking for the big shot alone. Cause I, I don't see him stopping Dibble, but I do have him by a decision. I'm not going to say a majority decision, or we're going to walk away looking like he lost that fight. Um, but I do think it'll be competitive. Um, whether that's 8-4, to 9-3, to three, or whether that's 7-5. to five. I mean, if Bibble can look like he did, in a, and that's, what, that's what's so tough about it. If Bibble can look like he did in 2018 and 19, well, shit, that's a long time ago. And he hasn't taken a beating, but then why didn't, I don't know, it's kind of funky. Like, why did he change his style of that, you know, to that extent? against Leicester opposition what explains that like the first fight after taking like 16 months off you know during the COVID thing okay at least you'd have that but last year he fought twice and I don't know he did have that little in and out but not in and out catch and shoot as much you know it wasn't it was more just win the rounds score the points and win the fight he does that with Bit or Canelo that's not going to win him the fight anyway. We we may look like it was, hey, that was a 7-5 fight, but it's not going to win him the fight. Anyway, so, yeah, I have Canelo by decision. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Carcino. Of course, Carcino for life on YouTube. Carcino, man, what is going on with you, buddy?
1: Well, it, and it turned into a party now. The moment, I was like, I hope he coming to me quick. But... <laughs> No, the party then broke out. <laughs> as soon as you start talking, the party broke out. I said, Oh man But uh, yeah man I I had a great time listening to everybody break down and I'm like, man, that is exactly how I was like looking at it. And I'm I'm really going with a with a draw. I'm going with a draw in this fight. I think Bibble is gonna be the hardest fight. Canelo has had, and I, and only because I don't think this is the bimbo that that Can, Canelo has always been used to dictating the pace. Even with Triple sure. G, you know he he's always been the one to, to fight at his pace, how the fight goes. I think Bimbo's going to make him fight at his pace. Canelo's going to risk it all, try to go in, and he's going to have to land something of significance. But there's going to be some rounds going by where he's not going to be probably winning some rounds. But to get to Bibble, you've got to put him on his back foot. You've got to land something up top or something in the body to get him to doubt himself to stop him from throwing that jab. Because he could throw the jab on the move. He could step, step into the jab, and he could step back and, and take a step back and jab you. Canelo hasn't fought a guy like that. He hasn't fought a guy that could really step back and jab and jab on the move. He, the only person he fought like that was Floyd Mayweather. And Miguel Cotto could do it, but Cotto was done at that time. He's not a middleweight, so Cotto could fight going backwards a little bit, but he, at that point he wasn't Miguel Cotto anymore. And right now at this at this level and point, the only thing that gets Canelo over is his counterpunching ability. But if he's at range, it's going to be hard to get Bibble. If Bibble can keep the distance, Canelo's going to have to keep this fight ugly and close and use his ability to fight up close. Pressure Bibble to make him have to think. And, you know, when people are pressured and they got people right in their face, they make mistakes. So he's going to have to find a way to get Bibble to be really uncomfortable for a whole lot of this fight, in order for the fight to go in his way. If you bivel, all you have to do is use your jab, and when Canelo comes in, tie him up. Turn, step out, and step out with a jab. Keep tying him up, turning him, tying him up, turning him, popping him with the jab, and then make Canelo get desperate and start taking risks as he feels the fight slipping away. That is what Bibble has to do. You don't have to do anything extra. Keep that right hand hot. Like they say, you know, we all know that Bill will keep that right hand normally hot. You know, he's really conscious now after that close fight he had before the fight he almost lost. And he's been cautious ever since. And because of that, people wanted to know, okay, well, if, if he gets in the trenches, what kind of fighter would he be? Right. So the doubt went out about it after that fight. But I think this is the fight... You know, lights get it's bright, it is a big moment, but I think once the fight engaged, I think he's going to be okay. But I think the fight will be close enough, or so they probably could call a draw. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to call it a draw, but it could be called a draw. So, I'm looking well, at I a hope you're right, decision or that draw. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. That would yeah, be awesome. yeah. And if they see that, other people will start to step up to take the fight. But that's the way I see it going. What
2: uh, What did you think of the uh, Taylor Serrano? Who do you think won that fight? And then what did you think of Shakur? Real quick, I know you're busy.
1: Oh yeah, I can definitely do that because I I leaned out. I'm just so happy they had 1.5 million people streaming watching a female boxing fight and no one was calling it a female boxing fight they were just saying taylor and serrano right. now the fight and i was very yeah the fight and that's all they was caring about so i was proud about that you know just like man that is a great moment for boxing and yes of the greatest boxers in their weight class fighting each other you know so to me that meant a lot now breaking down and obsessing the fight I thought it was unique the way it all started out because the thing about Katie Taylor, people don't realize how she's so successful is she's really solid at this weight class. She's really strong and she can fight going backwards. Most women in the boxing cannot fight going backwards. She knows how to step, take steps back, set up a real strong counter punch and start her offense coming forward. She knows how to set people, set traps, and get people to fall into them. Amanda's very good at coming forward, not good at fighting backwards. And what she did was come forward one night and bring the fight to Katie Taylor. But what people didn't know is that Amanda had power at this weight class, and she was just sweating down at those lower weights, and she could really crack. Her gift is the body punching her left to the body is crucial very strong very powerful but she should have kept going to katie's body that was gonna that was telling in the fight but she started headhunting and getting caught into a firefight and that's katie taylor's style katie taylor kept stepping backward, catching her with that short counter shot in between her wide hooks because she's headhunting, and then she'll start her offense and come with a left hook right behind it, and then Katie's coming forward. And then she'll grab you, put you in the headlock, tie you up, wear you down, and slow the fight down to her pace. I think Kelly Katie Taylor won by a round. I had her winning by a round, one round. But the one judge who had it 93-97, you know, I mean, I don't know what fight he was watching. I mean, Lord. I yeah, it, I didn't see seven rounds
2: for Taylor. I mean, seven right. rounds. say Amanda two won months.
1: three rounds? Right. I'm like, that's crazy. But you're telling me she only won three rounds? That's, that's insane. So, I I just feel that um, the right person still won the fight. They could have won a draw. I mean, I got to go back and watch it again because there's some swing rounds in there. And I was just like, but I I was looking at stuff that people were missing. You know, I think uh, Amanda landed a lot of the, the telling shots, but... The show sure. shots that everybody that's home, the casuals, are watching. They'll see that and say, "Okay, yeah, she won. She hit that. She was hitting with those shots, so she was definitely the one controlling the action." But I saw the, the shots that were hitting. I'm like, "Well, Katie did her with some stuff. She's tying her up. She's really got some education here. She can fight going backwards." And I was like. She keeps falling into this trap. Amanda keeps coming forward. She needs to take a step back, give her a faint. She's walking right in. And this is not helping. Her aggression right, right. is being used against her. And I and I was like watching that trap happen over and over. And I think she keeps letting this aggression, you know, get take them take her out of the fight. You know, she's being too aggressive. Now if they have a rematch, I think Amanda would take it. Which I think they're gonna work on. But knowing each other's style now, I think after Amanda has fought this style and seeing how close she was in this fight, she'll realize that she stayed to the body. She'd have won. She probably would have stopped her had she just stayed committed to the body. She kind of abandoned it and went into head hunting. And I'm like, oh, man, you should have just stayed with the body. The fight was yours. The fight was there for the taking. And she stayed with that body attack. But it was a very entertaining fight The Shakira fight Was a mismatch from the start Uh, Oscar Valdez Is just too small for this weight class And Shakira Is too big for him Way too big And I knew this was going to be a fight Where size was going to be The the telling of the fight He's too small He's got to fight Pretty much a pick a style To try to get close and Shakira was, like, basically okay with getting hit. People were like, man, this is the most hits thing we think. He was okay because he felt like, okay, he can't hurt me. So he was okay with taking the risk to try to come in and land something heavy. So it, it made for an exciting fight at times because, you know, Vasquez is tough. I mean, Valdez is tough, and he's going to keep coming. But it was just going to be target practice. Um for him, I, I do see Stevenson having problems down the road when he fights guys his size because they keep putting him in these mismatch fights for a reason. It's kind of like what they do with Errol Spence. Keep him fighting light guys, light guys to build him up. But I'm like, what happens when he got to fight a guy his size? You know, this is when, you know, the fight gets a little dangerous. So I'm just like, one of those people that's sitting back and looking at it and saying, down the road, who's he going to fight next? Who are they going to put in front of him? Yeah.
2: Yeah, you think I they put really him in, see... in with Lomachenko? I mean, do you think they'd do that?
1: Uh, if they if they could, I mean, Lomachenko would be a good one on his resume because Lomachenko is small. So it would make sense for them to do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know. You know, that's a big question mark there. Because I think right now it's the right time for Stevenson to fight Lomacheco. Because I don't think Lomacheco is, is, is big enough to really have an effect on him. But Lomacheco is a better boxer because he fights at angles and gives him a lot of different looks and turns. Right. It will make for an exciting fight. Maybe they fight. Can do
2: that 130. 130 is a better way for Loma.
1: Yeah, but then, you know, I don't think he could make one-third. I just don't think he could do
2: it.
1: I think he's way too big. Yeah, he, he did barely weigh class. in. He
2: did have to take off the uh, the boxers and stuff to make it this time. That's true.
1: Yeah, so, like I said, he he looked like he was 20 pounds bigger than Valdez in that fight.
2: He did look bigger. <laughs> he definitely looked bigger.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was insane. Looking at the fight and looking at him, I was like, "Oh man, he's huge." So I'm looking at the next fight that they got coming up, and I'm just like, "Oh man, this is going to be this is going to tell a lot about the division." When uh, yeah, we start to get these things sorted out, with uh, hopefully we get PBC to start putting their fighters against each other, so we can start seeing some real champions and unification matches and the next 3 and like like every week now we're going to start having like crazy bouts now It's going to be like it's been a run around the last
2: couple of weeks now yeah and all the way yeah. through June it's, it's it's right in the mix of it man
1: Hell yeah Yeah, so well, i i appreciate this is gonna you be calling in.
2: in i don't know how much time you got left because you're having a party but uh i appreciate you calling in man
1: yeah, I've been trying to get in for like three weeks. I'm like, where is it going down? And the one day I missed, I was so sick, I missed it. Oh, yeah, I got my drink, yeah. man. I'm thankful. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, bro. Yeah, because um, the arrow spike. you know, and Tyson Fury, man, I was like, oh, my God. I was like beside myself <laughs> trying to call in, but... Yeah, Tyson Fury. They were trying to say
0: where Tyson Fury ranks. Is he the top ten
1: heavyweight in the time? And I'm just like, there's no way Tyson Fury could be in top ten, top heavyweight. I just can't. I mean, it's not his fault, but I can't judge him because of the talent of the opposition he's fighting. Most of these guys, you know, he's light years ahead of them. But most of these guys are converted football players, basketball players. It's hard to put them in that category. Of yeah, top 10 and he just anyway hasn't had enough
2: big name fights. Even if he did fight everybody, he'd still have to fight sick And
1: even if I don't know, I, I hear
2: you. The resume, there's just so much resume that those guys have in the past.
1: Who? Exactly, because uh-huh. back then. Oh, Boston- yeah.
2: Like a fantasy
1: yeah. fight, I get it. Like a fantasy fight, I get it because of the size and everything. But resume-wise, you can't even compare. Right. I don't think he would beat Larry Holmes. I don't think he'd be any of those guys in the past. But my thing is, he wouldn't have uh the thing is, is that most of the guys now, because anybody 200 pounds, six, six feet tall, are going to the NFL or NBA. That's where the money is. So why would you get hit in the head? But back in those days, right. the heavyweight division, you know, boxing was like one of the top sports in the world. So, right. like the highest-paying sport. So, at that time, it made sense to go into boxing. Yeah, Muhammad right. Ali. You had all these. So, the heavyweight division was hot back then. So, it's obvious that somebody back in that era would be ranked in the top ten because of the talent level. And those guys, they trained to be heavyweight fighters. <laughs> they like their careers. Most of these guys, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. once they blew their knee out in football, they couldn't make it. Or in basketball, they said, well, I blew my knee out. It's done for me. So I might as well get this boxing thing to try. This is a boxing, like, the third option. Yeah, and no, you're right. Like, it, is,
2: it is different. But
1: definitely a depth yeah, so, there in any, either way. Right. I mean, we've seen be the heavyweight champion of the world, you know. <laughs> I think if I get in the ring I might get the right fight. I might be the heavyweight champion of the world, you know. <laughs> Andre Ward was going to do this. This was his plan. His plan, he wasn't going to retire. His plan was to fight Anthony Joshua. Yeah. And and retire. You know, he was like I can fight Anthony Joshua, win the title and then retire. That was his plan. And then that got messed up cuz Joshua lost. <clears throat> So he was like, "Wow, this is crazy." So he just stayed retired, and that was that. But uh, quite interesting, man. Boxing is back in demand.
0: Yes, sir. Boxing
1: is back sure on is. Oh, back back on the board. Now, Errol Spence fight with well, I didn't get a chance to talk about that. I thought that was fixed. I was like, this is a fixed fight. (laughs) They would not let Hugo's let his hands go. And I think they know. I think they didn't want to mess the money up. And they know they got to get this fight going with Terrence Crawford now. Because I saw things in that Hugo's fight that said, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm like, I don't think he's going to last the whole fight at all. I think he's going to get knocked out in probably the first couple rounds. Against
2: Terrence Crawford. I really don't see him.
1: Okay. Uh, I mean, his balance, I, he can't, his punch resistance, when he took that shot where the mouthpiece came out, he was hurt before that with a short right hand. And he leaned over, his balance was just off, like his equilibrium was off completely. And he was like unaware what was going on really, and he got hit with those other two shots. He was... Like all over the place Like the balance was bad His footwork. I'm like oh my god And it's like Ugas just kept going in the shell Which makes it easier for him And I'm like why is Ugas fighting like this This is just ridiculous And it was like he already got the check He came in with all the jewelry on And the glasses, I said oh yeah he got paid <laughs> Somebody got a check tonight
2: So you thought it was a fixed fight yeah,
1: I didn't think that was... I think it was a controlled fight. I think they told him, look, we're going to take care of you. If you already... Don't worry, because he was already pressed about money. Al Hamid like, money is your problem? Don't worry about it. You will be compensated. So, he's happy. You know, I've never seen anyone... You know, he didn't want to get stopped. He wanted to go to the cards, of course, and finish the fight on his feet. He didn't want to be stopped. But once you break an orbital bone or you you keep letting somebody tee off on you, you just got a high guard up and not doing anything and not fighting like Ugas. And I'm like, why are you not fighting like Ugas anymore? Like, what is going on here? This doesn't even make sense. There are so many openings for shots, and he wouldn't even take them. And I'm like, what is going on here? I could see like, if, like, Arrow hit you with something, you were hurt. Okay. But I'm like, he's not even hitting with anything. He was terrible. He was missing so many shots. Like, oh, my, like, oh, my God. I'm like, the the like if I'm like, this guy shows up to fight Terrence Crawford, this Arrow Spence right here, please, I'm betting my house. I'm putting everything on the line. I'm mortgaging everything. I'm getting everything liquidated, everything. I'm going all in. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, oh, about, my God. Now Porter, Porter's
2: not known for his, his footwork and and he, him smothering his own work and getting off balance and all that. But he was right in that fight until the 10th round. So, so Sp- Spence is going to get knocked out after a couple rounds?
1: You Spence will be knocked out in a couple of rounds. You gotta understand. This is not the same. This is not the same guy. Those are two different fighting styles. Those are two different fighting styles. Period. Plus, you know.
2: But I'm saying fundamentally, fundamentally, Spence is better than Porter.
1: Though, fundamentally. Coming for. Coming for. Yeah, to a degree. To a degree. When does he ever smother like
0: Porter?
1: Right. you don't. Know, you know, he smothers punches sometimes, but not like Porter. No, You're right. I would give you that.
0: <laughs>
1: but you, you, this is entirely about punches, being able right. to take the shot. Right. If that accident, he ain't going to take no punches no more. Equilibrium. Ooh, sorry about that, but his equilibrium is all right. way off. It's way off. Like, Like, I've seen him. He couldn't even keep his balance. It was like, like, his balance was off. He'll get hit, and he just lean back, and he actually tells the corner. And his corner, Derek James is telling him, saying, hey, don't worry about his strength. You know, like, don't worry about who got strength. Don't worry about that. Like, he's actually concerned about the other person, and he never had that doubt before. After the Danny Garcia fight, that's the first time I've ever seen Errol Spence have doubt about himself. And know, like, after a fight. He, he had nothing but doubt. And now well, the doubt see. has crept let's in. Let's hope we
2: see that later this year. Let's hope we see that fight. No matter what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. Because they can't risk. Like they can't risk. They know they cannot risk putting Arrow in another fight and hoping he don't get knocked out.
0: Because
1: you got to get your money now. you got to make that fight next for Arrow. Cause that's 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 not gonna end well. All
2: right, good. Well, I appreciate. Oh, go ahead. It, it's kind of clogged up. I'm not hearing you all
1: that great in the last little bit. Oh, I was saying for Arrow, it's not gonna end well. It's not gonna end well for him. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can hear you now. It was just sometimes
1: stuff comes
2: in and I can't hear you. That's all. It's all good. We heard both. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but arrow
1: is not gonna. It's not gonna end well for him. Knockout, knockout, knockout. This is gonna end in knockout. I'm saying about. I'm gonna give it about five, six rounds. Knockout.
2: All right, well, I'm going to do the show next Wednesday night, so you know.
1: Okay, and I'll be ready.
2: All right, man, you take it easy.
1: All right, won't be a party. All
2: right,
0: buddy, you take it easy. Have a good night.
2: You too. Bye-bye. Go wild. All right, (laughs) later. All right, Carcino for life, giving his take. You heard it first. I really haven't heard anybody three to five rounds. So if that happens, that would be big. The money you could make on that fight, uh, rounds from three to six even, uh, knockout, you could definitely clean up. You could definitely clean up. Now, I got some a, a variety of messages during the show here that I will address in a little bit one piece of news that is not 100% news just yet like finalized but there has been a report um as far as Chris McKennan I think it is Kenna McKennan uh the headline reads Anthony Joshua close to new deal despite De Zones contract with Eddie Hearn so it sounds like from the reports and not just from this report but there has been other chiming in um that supposedly, allegedly, that uh, Anthony Joshua is set to to sign and stay with Sky Sports. Uh, they're in the process of closing the deal right now. Um, the broadcaster is now the clear favorite to land the British heavyweight. He's considered a, a, a he considered a switch to the streaming to zone, um, but now it looks like he's going to stay. Now just you know eddie hearn did actually mention this and he said well hold on you know it's it's not a final deal um so let you know we got to put that into the the equation as well um by the way um there are some folks on someone had it pressed one prior anyone that's on i mean most of the people I, I, I kinda know and they just listen and that's cool. But if you wanna press one to join in that's cool too. I did see it's six one two which is a local um local Minnesota number. So if you wanna if you wanna join in, please join in. Um that is a little bit of news out there, but oh, by the way, Eddie Hearn said uh, today in a in a interview that it's not you know, there's there's no finalization on that. And they're still, you know, that Anthony's still uh, going through the paperwork or whatever on both sides, thinking about it, uh, that that deal is not closed. And so he denies that report that that's what it's going to be. I think Dan Raphael, a couple other people backed it up, but they could have just heard it from that one article as well. You know what I mean? But it, But it also makes sense being that Sky Sports has a much bigger brand, obviously, over there in the success they've had, you know, together. So I, I get that, um, you know, how different is the money, um, you know. Obviously, the visibility is, is ma- a major piece to it. But, um, but yeah, that's just a little bit of news. Uh, there was rumors about, I've heard it in a couple different places now, about Josh Taylor staying at 140. And the first thing I thought was, like, hold on. So you're going to fight Caterall because you said you'd give him a rematch, but it had to be at 47 because remember he can't make 140 anymore. But now we're hearing a little different. I don't I don't know if it's true, though, to be honest with you. I really don't know because. I don't know, like. It may just be Tiafema Lopez saying he's trying to get a fight. I think it's Barboza was who he was going to fight. Uh, That was the report. There's just nothing official, but that was the report that Teofimo and Barboza was going to fight as just a get-back fight, fight at 140, yada, yada, yada. But um, he also said in this interview that he's trying to make the fight with Josh Taylor. Now, is he actually trying to do it or not? Or you Because know, Josh Taylor is going to have to start to defend these belts because we've already gone over, I think, two of them now. Uh, that are going to be up for grabs here soon if he doesn't make a decision. So, um, by the way, it was Daily Star, I think, where that that article was from, just just so folks know of. So I don't know if, you know, I I really don't know where that stands 100%. Um, Speaking of, you know, the Serrano-Taylor fight and whatnot, um, Jake Paul said he's going to be back August 13th is when he said another fighter that recently talked about his next fight, not opponent, but just talked about it. Ryan Garcia, I guess he's going to be back July 16th. Um, Demetrius Andre did get hurt. I think it was a right shoulder injury. So his fight with Zach Parker in the UK is postponed. Um, They did get an MRI to see. um, Last I checked, I actually haven't, checked if he actually needs surgery. But either way, it's postponed. Um, here's Al Bernstein. He said, uh, Taylor Serrano was a close and thrilling fight. The problem was that two judges didn't score it like it was close. Uh, you could get a draw or I, or I guess maybe 96-94 for Taylor, but there's no way Serrano only won three rounds. Those cards tainted a wonderful fight. I'd have to agree with that. I think That's pretty basic. Eddie Hearns spoke to MMA fighting. He said uh, Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm are potential opponents for Katie Taylor. But she said uh, a rematch um, in Ireland is probably, you know, the top choice there. Um, So we'll see. Uh, Actually, I think John earlier spoke about the copy box numbers, and here's the tweet from the copy box guy. He said, Bibble has some pretty historic jab numbers like otherworldly, but what I find extremely troubling for him versus Canelo is he throws under 20 power shots in 44 of his last 51 rounds, 20 power shots in his last 44 or 51 rounds that, you know, that, that won't get it done. But you know, who's to say that he can't uh, obviously lift those, lift those numbers. Uh, Eddie Hearn also said that he genuinely believes – or that Canelo genuinely believes that he can beat Usyk for the world heavyweight title. He said to me, if you make the fight at a, one pound above cruiserweight, so 201, I will beat him. Now, there is that bridge, you know, belt in there and whatnot, and I don't know if that would apply to Canelo <laughs> But he, he thinks he can beat Usyk. I think Usyk's a bad style, not just the size, but a, a bad style matchup, obviously. Um, that's clear as day. You know what I mean? that That's pretty basic. Oh, and this is what I was talking about. I got a couple of messages about the depth uh, in women's boxing, how, you know, just sheer numbers, Um, you know, that there there just isn't the sheer numbers yet, you know this is scully and then i mentioned uh, the guy you know i've been saying this for a long time a lot of people have that you know boxing's depth isn't where it was either men's boxing too not even close uh to where it was and this is what scully said uh 60 years ago there were 10 times as many fighters in the world than there are today um with so today we have less fighters with more belts basically um and so that kind of points to that you know it's like yeah i mean you know the depth isn't isn't what it is someone asked me um what do i think of the uh the 1.5 million worldwide numbers uh what was it i think they're i think the tweet said 170 plus markets uh so it's the the most watched female they said event the most watched female headline boxing broadcast ever in the history i don't i think chris christie martin had a fight that was bigger than that um but it doesn't really matter um but as far as it being like i think 1.5 million worldwide for women's boxing is great i really do i really do i think i think it is great um now as far as you know, 1.5 million for the zone overall. I think their highest was like 2 million or something like that. Wasn't it something like that? Maybe it was, I can't remember. If it was 1.7 or um, they did one a little higher than this one. A while, you know, a while, a while back. I think they, I think it's been, didn't they only give us 2019 numbers in 2019 a couple times? I think that's it. I think they gave us, I think they gave us the the Jacobs Canelo, which was like 750000 Then they gave us the Kovalev Canelo, which was like a little above that. But that was, you know, because um, they had said they built up their subscribers a little bit beyond that. So right in that $800,000, 850000 range, um, but that was also when, you know, they had, uh, in that month, they had, or in the month's time anyway, they had Anthony Joshua and Ruiz, the rematch. Um, they had Golovkin prior to that fight against uh, Derbinchenko and they also had, uh, um was it both Paul brothers or just Jake Paul? I can't remember, but they had them too. So as far as the zone goes, yeah, 1.5 worldwide is not a, but for women's boxing, I think it's phenomenal. Um. clearly the zone here is not really caught on traction wise worldwide they you know that's they're going to find out I mean they you know they had that they I think they beat Sky to like uh, the Italians soccer league that one of the I think the top league uh, I think there's two different um, soccer um rights that they got that were pretty major um, but overall, I think that they, with that investment they made, because they made billions of dollars of investment towards that stuff, including the boxing here, but obviously it's not on the same level of soccer, uh, you know, in Italy and whatnot. And I know in Japan they always had over, you know, well over a million subs. Um, but there was a recent story that came out that with all that, they were trying to lift their sub- subscribers worldwide to 13. And as of right now, uh, by the end of year last year, 2021, it was around nine million. Um, so we'll see where they go. Uh, we know that they, you know, that they they've put out a lot of money. Uh, and this isn't even boxing wise. We're just talking about the streaming service worldwide. You know what I mean? So um, we'll see. You know, we'll see where that goes. But as far as the the rating itself. Yeah, I think it's great for women's boxing. By the way, um, just to follow up on that, uh, Shakur and Oscar, the whole card did $1.2 million on average. Uh, they had a UFC lead-in that was uh, 830000 so that's a nice, you know, even if you kept some of that, that's a pretty good lead. in it's not like a college football lead-in, that's for sure, but it's still solid and then the main event averaged 1.35 and peaked at 1.44 which nowadays if you look at ESPN post covid they're you know beyond having uh let's see well obviously Lomachenko and uh, the itia female that did a damn good number but they mostly need like college football to pop off over 2 million you know so um but but without like a really healthy lead in, that's still a really good number. Um, and if you, if you, if you go post COVID, it's a great number. Um, but, you know, they had been able to get before COVID more cars over a million, uh, just in general. And that, that it's still kind of, you know, in between on that. Now we don't have the app numbers. Um, so overall, uh, but that just kind of puts it in perspective just here in the States one point the peak is 1.4 just here in the states so it kind of gives you perspective there but yes i want to preference it by women's boxing 1.5 that's a great number for women's boxing and i'm really happy because it definitely you know lived up to it it definitely lived up to it uh, in the ring so people were happy by the way um if you are if you're not you know we have been getting hit with some pay-per-views lately so people are kind of picking and choosing. A lot of people have picked this one in Spence Ugas, and you could see less people picked, of course, the uh, Gervante in Tank, or sorry, Gervante and 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 then White. Um, in theory, you could see there was less uh, people pumped about those fights, uh, especially this last run where it's three of them in four weeks. By the way, um, you can go to johanpromotions.com, put your zip code or city in there. I've talked about this in the past. Maybe you can watch it at a bar. Uh, I always like to give people, you know, and also in the theaters. They're putting in the movie theaters, and if you can get a friend to go to the movie theaters, it's anywhere from like, it matters where you live, but it's anywhere from like 20, 22 bucks. I think 25 is the highest. And that's a great experience. That's a fun experience. I really like that, um, by the way. Um, what else we got for news here down the stretch? Um, oh, this is Luda Bella. Hey, he said to the boxing writers, uh, when you nominate Fights of the Year for 2020, uh, 2022, uh, you know, remember Taylor Serrano was a legit candidate. Um, It should be nominated without regard to gender, which I think that's fair. You know, I don't think it'll win fight of the year, but it's got to be up there. You know, it's definitely got to be up there. Um, Oh, yeah, this is also, this is from um, TalkSport.com. Tia Fimo claims Josh Taylor fight is in the works, uh, but will Taylor's mandatories prevent the undisputed? Uh, That's tough, you know. Uh, That's what I don't know. And he's got to make decisions here soon. Um, This is from the Times uh, in the UK. Um, It was revealed that Sky Pundit Matthew Macklin was stopped uh, from entering the U.S. due to his Kinnahan links. And I heard that Coogan, don't, don't quote me on this one, but I heard that Coogan was stopped as well from the sounds of it. I haven't seen an official report but I have seen people follow up on it in a, in, you know, so I believe it to be true. We'll see. Here's an example. We already went over the other 140 belt, but this one is Josh Taylor, uh, Jose Zapata ordered to negotiate for the WBC purse bid, which will be due May 24th. So like I said, these decisions have to be figured out, you know, at some point here soon. Um, Oh, someone sent me this quote. Oh, this is—he uh, wasn't uh, Eddie Hearn wasn't too happy with Sky Sports. I'm sure they're not too happy with him though, too. Um, to be fair, but because um, they didn't cover uh, the Taylor and Serrano as much as they, you know, as they wanted like specials and all that. Now, to be fair, that night at a similar time, a little after it, but they they did have the Stevenson-Valdez fight on their network. So we got to put that in there. But this is Eddie saying Sky Sports not uh, not covering this show, women's sport. Um, the biggest female fight, Kayla, uh, Kaylee, Katie Taylor, who boxed on Sky her whole career, and they're not giving it the coverage it deserves. It's just wrong. You can't ignore an event like this. But, you know, that does fall in line to an extent. I do understand what he's saying. But to be fair, you know, Sky helped build, you know, Katie Taylor as well. And, you know, he has quotes of saying, you know, I, would I promote Con and Brooke? It's not my show. I, you know, I have my own show to worry about that night and stuff like that. So, I mean, or was it the same night or he just has his own shows? It's some kind of quote like that. So I understand what they're saying. Here's another quote about that. Um. Kind of going against it saying sky sports like him or not put on put a lot into katie taylor into her career and you know they weren't too happy losing her crowning moment either so it is what it is business is business i get what eddie's saying but they did have another fight that night so they are going to talk about that more uh this is talk sport again tyson fury it's never going to happen. Talking about a fight with Oleksandr Usyk, it's never going to happen because I'm retired, but i punch him around the ring. He's a middleweight. He's blown up. I've already been undisputed champion. I won every single belt there is to win. I got nothing more. I'm out. Well, the part's not really true, but he has been lineal. That's true. So, um, But you know what I mean. It is what it is. Um, oh, I keep getting keep getting this. Damn. So I keep I keep. Oh, I saw this originally, but I I keep getting this message, and I've been ignoring it. But there's not much time in the show. I'll, I'll address it. So they're saying if if Jamal Charlo was more vocal when he won on that that Mike Tyson interview, that he would have gotten the Canelo fight. And I remember about a a couple weeks ago, you saw this all over Twitter, that when he was on that Mike Tyson show, that he didn't call out Canelo, right? And and this is your time to call him out. But remember, most of the people that that are complaining about that, the call out would be you're ducking me, Canelo. That's what he'd have to say, right? If you're going to talk shit, if you say he's supposed to talk shit in that moment, this is your time. Then he'd be saying stuff that a lot of these people don't agree with. Oh, he's ducking me to go fight Bibble. You know, I don't think he's ducking Charlo to fight Bibble. It's 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 at a higher weight class. It's a tough fight. I don't call that a duck, but and most a lot of people don't, but. A lot of these same people saying Charlo, if Charlo was more vocal about wanting to fight, he would have already gotten it. That's bullshit. Because like I said, if he goes on the Tyson show and goes, man, he's a pussy, he's afraid to fight me, they devour Charlo on Twitter. So give me a fucking break. And not only that, but it's funny that these messages keep coming when Actually, the news came out today. We knew some of these numbers to an extent anyway. Uh, the Benavides stuff was on. Shouts out the Ness on the Boxing Boys. They talked about this, but Tom Brown even said we offered Canelo forty-five million for the Charlo fight and fifty-five million for Benavides or a Spence catchweight fight. Once again, would you rather a guy go on a show and talk shit? especially a lot of people who are complaining about this don't agree that Canelo's ducking him. So for me personally, instead of talking shit, I you know, I like talking shit, but for him to be like he's ducking me, he don't want the fight. Okay, well listen. I'd rather have the fighter and his team send legitimate offers. You know, that at that time before anything was signed, that's the most upfront money he's gotten. That would have been the most upfront money. If he took $45 million to fight um, Charlo and then $55 million, $45 million represents, upfront I'm speaking of, the most money of his career. Now obviously, maybe he got more now than that, but then did they top 55? I don't think so. But either way, my point is, I'd rather have a fighter's team be sending legitimate offers to make a fight than just go in and talk a bunch of shit on Twitter or on a podcast. And it's so funny how different the Golovkin thing and the Charlo thing. Clearly, think about this. Cotto and Golovkin, same guy right now in a sense. Back then, a lot of these people complaining and a lot of them were in the press, too, not just fans, or not just plugged-in you know, fight fans. But a lot of these people were destroying – said it a couple times now. They were destroying Cotto, but they're not destroying Golovkin. They were destroying Cotto to not fight Golovkin. But they're not destroying – why, though? Because Cotto was going to get the Canelo fight, a bigger money fight. Well, the reason why the Charlo fight didn't happen – it's because he's trying to get the Canelo fight, the trilogy. He's been ordered by the WBC to fight Charlo. And I'm not saying he went and fought Canelo, so that was that was a tough ass fight, obviously. I'm not saying he ducked him. He got an offer before he signed with the Zone to fight Charlo, but yet, oh, Golovkin gets a pass, and I'm not say- I'm not saying you should have ripped Cotto back then. I was saying don't rip Godo back then. He's he's aged now. He's got a big money fight. Leave him alone, you know? And same with Golovkin Canelo. Oh, Golovkin's, you know, Canelo won't fight him. Okay, well, is Canelo fighting Charlo? He had multiple chances now to fight him. Now, am I saying he's ducking him? No. But it's really funny, you know, and now, now Charlo, now remember, Golovkin, even though they said anyone from 54 to 68 can get it. That's what they said. But Charlo has to go up in weight class. Dougie Fisher, Kim, Montero, all these dudes were like, oh, no, Golovkin's just stay right at 160. There's no – oh, but but Charlo has to go up to fight Benavidez. He can't just go up to fight Canelo and that's it.
1: You see what I'm saying?
2: There was no pressure put on by the same people on Golovkin. It was just everybody's ducking him. Nobody wants to fight him. Well, not a lot of the. I mean, Golovkin and Canelo clearly don't want to fight Charlo right now. That's just a fact. Doesn't mean they're ducking him whatsoever. But come on, dude. It's just funny to be like, oh, he should have talked shit. But then you're going to dog him for talking shit. It's just, it's really funny, dude. Um, not much time left here. Oh, Deuce brought this up. uh, Ranger. Rollins. Um, shouts out to him, by the way. Good luck in your chemo, man. Hopefully I see you in June. For all the folks who care about the WBA featherweight stuff, the negotiation deadline for Wood in Santa Cruz, according to the letter sent uh, to both parties, is Friday. Just a heads up there. That's a good call, dude. Uh, the crazy thing about the belts is y'all. Oh, here we go, Lefty. Crazy thing about the belts is you're about to get better, be more credit for beating Joe Smith than I've seen Bibble get for beating uh, Smith years ago, and that's exactly what it is because well, it's a unification now, so it means way more, bro. You know. And by the way, uh, I did get some pushback. Uh, this was under the information I've seen it in a couple, a couple other places as far as the zone in their number. Um, it says right here, talking about Italy's top soccer league and all that stuff that they got from Skype, or they did Sky Sports for it. Uh, a deal that the company hoped would lift its subscriber numbers to thirteen million by the end of twenty twenty one. From around nine million at the start of the year okay here we go i didn't read the rest of it i'm glad that you said it but but you're still saying it's more than 13 it's 11 it says since then the zone has hit a wall its subscriber numbers have stalled at around 11 million said people familiar to this situation it lost more than a billion last year um around one point with the 1.4 billion in revenue it lost a billion and it's on track to lose roughly 900 million this year uh, that's what the report is you know I'm not saying that's a finalized thing or whatever um, but clearly it's you know of course it was going to have a lot of debt um, but we're talking a lot of debt and you don't you don't hear that. Remember the PVC and the you know, the, the Ponzi scheme and all that? I know people hate to hear this, but there was a lot of numbers crunching and, oh, I wonder if you're going to make money on this event or you're going to not make money there or you're not going to do this. You're losing money. You're wasting money, this and that. I mean, damn, it's funny how that just kind of goes away when it comes to the other side. That's just how that goes. Oh, this is a tweet from me. Someone actually sent it. <laughs> It's time for Aris Lottie Lara to shit or get off the pot. After tough outings versus Hurd and Castaño, I understand giving him a soft touch or two. But this is four fights in a row. I mean, golly. You better put him in with at least Jamal Charlo next or some shit. This shit's getting crazy. Um... The Stevenson valdez fight was trash. Shakur looked good though. Not pretty boy good, but good enough. Don't celebrate the kid yet. I don't I didn't see that as trash. Shakur is all the goods, but the fact he won't go for the kill when opponents is not giving him much resistance is what I don't like. I hate to say it because I like Shakur but I fell asleep. I don't say that shit on I don't say that shit on him, but it was evident that it was early and I just wasn't interested. Oh, it, it was early. I don't, oh, they're talking. Okay, so here's a, tw- uh, a, tw- a tweet by Mark Ortega. I guess Espinosa isn't concerned about Pro Bellum uh, having still has potential ties, alleged ties to uh, Kinahan because their June 10th showbox. Uh, this despite U.S. sanctions, Ian Dixon once uh, being listed as the manager, so they're having a fight uh, with a fighter who is tied to propellant is what his point is. Which, that's an interesting point, that is an interesting point, but, you know, we'll see legally where that is. Alright, leave it in the ring tweet, Bibble is relatively unheard by casual fans or MMA fans, shit, the whole division is. That's true. What are you guys talking about? If you're not a hardcore boxing fan, you haven't heard about a lot of deep divisions in the sport, because you don't follow the sport. I mean, I don't think it's a deep division. Um, oh, and then here's a, a tweet. Um, this is uh, Dougie Fisher saying about uh, Valdez, and you know how he failed for a PD substance test, and then he got, he fought for a ring belt the next, next. he got knocked out of the rankings, but then got to fight for the lineal ring. Uh, he said it was the whole, you know, um, the whole dropping from the ratings. Uh, It was to send a message to fighters, to the boxing industry, that in the view of most but not all of the ratings, uh, ring ratings panel, Veldez PD position was not handled well. You know, you could just Google ring rating update in Oscar Veldez to get info. I know you guys dropped him, and and I get all the reason – but the reason for reinstalling him wasn't clear. And what message does dropping him send? It was dropped between fights when he wasn't fighting. And then the next fight, he got back, you know, for the contested belt. And Dougie said, it sent a message to the fighter and his management. Do you think they were happy or unconcerned about being dropped? If you do, you're not familiar with Valdez and Espinozas. They were upset. Not in a disrespectful way. I mean, that, that doesn't send a message, though. It's true. So you didn't actually even drop him for one fight because you dropped him. And then before he fought, he got back into it. So that's a good point. Anyway, let's hope for a competitive fight that's entertaining. Let's hope for something to pop up on that other card. We'll definitely be back more than likely Wednesday. There's a chance I could do a Tuesday based off weather, because I work on a patio that day randomly. <laughs> Peace. Once you become the world champion,
3: I believe that.